Hello, everyone, and welcome to the sporadic but awesome Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I'm one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, the always striving, always surviving, always <laughs> thriving, Chris O'Toole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, nice to speak to you again, Dave. Good to talk to you too, buddy. Like we had to just start recording because we were getting we were getting sucked into a vortex of getting lost, yeah. Stuff that could be talked about on the show. The friendship's just so thick. That's what it is. The friendship's so thick. We didn't even get the chance to talk about our friends' new podcast and stuff that we can't talk about on the air, but we'll have to continue with a post show off air wrap up <laughs> party because there's other things we have to get to. Oh yeah. Um, but but this is it, Chris. Now you and me are like ships in the night. Once we had so much free time that we even, I think, if I can remember back this far, took this thing on the road. But <laughs> now that is but a distant memory as you and me are both in work constantly. Yeah, basically, yeah. Although you more than I, I would say, as far as travel is concerned, you, it kind of ties you up a little more than me. Well, certainly but, um, the travel's been nuts right now. Yeah, the, I, mm-hmm. I, can, I can't argue that. But I think, you know, you've also been busy, too. You know, you and I have well, I've been. been. Very, I've been very busy, don't get me wrong. I just have a, a bit of a, you know, a typical schedule where it could be managed. But I don't want to burden you any more than needs to be burdened or whatever. And you've not been in the country a lot of times, so that makes it difficult. Yeah, I was away. I was out of the country. I was in Mexico. Since we last spoke, I think I've only been in Mexico. Yeah. Um, because we did get to do uh, a footnote uh, before I left. And so we, uh, but yeah, like yeah, I had a great time. And you, you traveled as well. You went to New York City. I was briefly in New York. I think, yeah, last episode, um, yeah, I did mention the Boston trip. So the yep. uh, few weeks later, I went to New York. Um, just a brief little jaunt. It's very nice. Uh, as always, but um, one thing I did want to mention, which we discussed previous to starting the recording here, um, way back when, like a year or whatever, a year ago, at some point, we did some footnote. I cannot remember what episode even, but I discussed finding a record store in New York um, that I could not remember the name of that I scored some really great hip hop records at, and it was really bugging me because it was it was just a great. One of like those prime things that you hope for. I mean, mind you, I was in New York, so of course I'm going to stumble upon something kind of cool. But mm-hmm. um, when you find a store that you literally are not looking for and just stumble across it, walk in, and just it's amazing. And so um, I felt a little bad that I couldn't remember the name for so long. And uh, when I went back this time, I kind of made it my mission to um, scour the area in which I was in when I was there last, or not last, I was last with you, but when I was there that time. Um Anyway, it turns out the store is called A1 Records, of all names, um, and it's great. It's uh, primarily like hip-hop, uh, you know, and like dance, disco, funk, like some electro stuff. Um, so not really like hard, like, you know, the punk vein is not strong there, but um, really get record store for people who are digging for weird stuff, but hip-hop-centric stuff you're going to crush. It's so good. And, uh, yeah, I didn't score anything this time there, but I did look and I did, um, want a few things, but it was pouring rain when I went. So I was kind of a little apprehensive to carry on a record and literally pouring rain for hours. So I just decided, uh, I'm not going to do it. I admire anyway. your willpower. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't find it like crazy heat. I probably would have, I don't know, like, uh, shrink wrapped it or whatever, but yeah. I found some cool records. Nothing that was just quite worthy enough to risk it, I guess is what I would say. Cause I went out in the middle of a torrential downpour in Mexico city 
to uh, try and track down a record. So the rain <laughs> not only didn't scare me away, it spurred <laughs> me on in my quest. Well, I was out in the rain for 10 hours. I just didn't carry on records in it. <laughs> okay, okay. Fair but enough. yeah, it's um, which speaks to the, the level of, I guess, obsession that we have, you and I. But um, but yeah, anyway, it's a really great store. And I even recommend you check it out if you ever... It's in Manhattan. I think I may have gone there before, right? Like it's a brick uh, really kind like of interior. I don't... I'm bad with districts in New York because I just like... No, no, I'm, I'm just like, saying, is it like inside it? Is it kind of like a, a brick? Like very nice looking, but like an... Unlike no, a, no. Exposed no. brick? No, I don't think so. I'm not. I don't remember that. It's have literally a new covered. Wave section or no? They do have new wave, but it's covered in um, covered in record covers in the ceiling, mainly hip hop. Um, it's it's mainly like your first impression walking in would be that it's hip hop, like, okay. but it's it, there's a little more to it. You've probably been because you're you know you're that guy, but um. If you haven't, anyway, A1 Records is great. Yeah, like I, there's like that's like a type of store, you know. Like yeah. I would say that uh, donut shop. Uh, shout out to that record store in Orlando, uh, an amazing, amazing spot worth checking out. And Cosmos Records here in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, totally. An amazing. It's spot. like a Cosmos vibe, but a little more like lo-fi, if that makes sense to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely, you're onto it there. Yeah, I've gotten like, and though those stores, you know, like in. But those the people that run those stores are people that know how to dig for records. So yeah, when they do have the odd new wave or punk record, it tends to be something really cool. Mm-hmm. And, Agreed. And I definitely uh, yeah, I got some cool stuff when I was at Donut Shop, and, and over the years I've gotten some unbelievable stuff from Cosmos and stuff. And so I, I can't wait to check out A1. But I think I did go there and pick up some new wave records a couple years ago. Yeah, I, I think when I, I mentioned it, you you sort of, we, we broached this last time, but I just couldn't remember the name. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, just to, to shout it for people who look, and especially if you like hip hop, um, it's well worth going to. Well, that, well that is definitely going. worth checking out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I myself also got a chance to look for records this time in Mexico City. My friend Joey Thank you, Joey, for getting up early and taking me to, <laughs> uh, like, a, a record market. Like it, wow, okay. It, it's, like, every Saturday in Mexico City, there's – and this is, like, kind of where I've been told, and from what I saw, this is where the main record commerce kind of happens in Mexico City. Okay. And it's just, like, tons of vendors. It's, like, a, a, a giant antique market if it's specialized in punk. Wow. And, and metal and like new wave and emo and I guess like all the kind of like offshoots that you would kind of put in. So are, when world. you're st- when you're saying record commerce, are you saying that there are no record stores? I went and- to a punk record store there, and I wish I could remember the name of it because I'd love to shout that place out. It was it was a really cool store, and I can't remember. I'll try and find out the name. I'll ask my friend Joey for it. Um, uh, but he, he, anyway, it's like a it's like a legit like punk record store but even they were like oh all these records you're looking for you have to go to this record market oh okay so it's it's i gotcha so the stuff that you're keen on is more of like yeah i know what you mean i get what you're saying yeah it's like it's 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 uh del chapo market and that's probably like the most brutal pronunciation (laughs) um and it's it's got like awesome stuff like it and so i got some cool records there i got the 
After after one vendor told me I'd never find an original of this record and there was no point in looking, I should just buy this reissue or bootleg that he had. Walked two stalls over and found the Massacre 68 LP. <laughs> nice. The one you, you put up a photo of a record. I don't know what it was. That's though. it. That's the one. That's it. And then Cooch, yeah. like a bo- dick, was like, <laughs> it's a bootleg. Hashtag commented. Don't worry, Cooch. It's not, buddy. Uh, enough people uh, like it was it was that was the weirdest part is like once i had bought this record i was walking around with it and just so many people came up trying to buy it off me really well yeah because i didn't have a record bag so i'm just kind of holding the lp out and these people were coming up and being like can i look at it and i'd be like sure you know and then they'd be like how much did you dig and find it like you found gold or it, it like the person knew what they had they knew what they had like it wasn't like exorbitantly expensive like the person that told me i'd never find it when he was telling me price that i have to pay for it was like yeah you know it but it was uh it was like you know it was just out there in the open too and this guy didn't really have that many other punk records he had mainly huh. just kind of other records that's the other thing about this market like there's a lot of like punk cds punk bootleg shirts punk <clears> shirts <throat> gotcha you know that kind of stuff all kinds of ephemera if all you kinds of ephemera and there's a lot of punk vinyl but like the original stuff you know, most of the, the heavy hitters, people just don't bring there. Like a lot of people were like, oh, I have that at home. Next time you come, let me know in advance and I'll bring the stuff for you. Hmm. Um, you know, but then this one guy that we met like straight up was like, yeah, I can uh, I'll meet up with you and I can get this one record you're looking for off your list. And so I went up, met up with him before I left town, went out in the pouring rain. Once again, my <laughs> friend Joey, thank you. For dragging me out there. Um, he had a fixer, a record fixer. Yeah, well, he was like, he's just like, he works for Vice Mexico, and he was, you know, he was amazing. He was this guy that basically had to become a wrestler whisperer and <laughs> had to become a record procurer. Nice. I didn't once lean on him, though, for marijuana. I want you to know, Chris, I went full on Ernetta <laughs> Punk road trip style, straight edge. <laughs> and no vaporizer uh, breaks this time either. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I I I think the um the record pull is stronger for you if I'm going to say. Well, I think it was also just being in Mexico and the the thrill of like getting these records that I know, you know, like obviously in 2017 anything is gettable, you know, from, yeah. from the comfort of your own home, but like being down there and having like the opportunity to buy these records um it was just you know how could i not you know get wrapped up in the adventure of it yeah no i i i uh i just think it's funny i think if anything that's um i like the idea of when you're going to a foreign place having like a record fixer now that i think about this i'm very jealous of that idea i think like that was my dream with fucked up (coughs) but (laughs) we never achieved the kind of success you would need to, to make that kind of demand. Yeah. You know, like George could probably do it. (laughs) No, I don't know though. We, in Japan, I basically used their sort of help and it did not pan out well for me. Well, that's just because like, you know, they didn't know how to use it properly. Agreed. Yes. It's just because I happened to, and the person was extremely nice, but they were just, could not have been more square if it could have been square. Like, they just didn't have the first thought as you to better, what. You better believe I had our Japanese fixer out in the record stores digging with me. 
<laughs> well, this this they just didn't know where to begin. Like yeah. they like they didn't know that records existed. Almost it was yeah. just like uh, yeah, it was a bad starting point, and uh, we tried and uh, did not succeed. I'm gonna be in Japan, Chris, for 20 days. Upcoming, yeah, yeah, 20 nice. days. By the way, if you're listening to this and you're in Bolivia, um, give me a shout. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know what's up. Um, Not random at all. <laughs> yeah, gonna be in Bolivia as of Friday. So, uh, yeah. let me know what's up if you're in Bolivia. Yeah, better put this up up quick then. I'm gonna put it up tonight. I hope um, it's a weird <laughs> summer, Chris. It's gonna be a very weird summer. That's all right. Um, but so, what else? Your journey took you to Mexico. You did the did the market, and then where were you off to? Was there any other journeys scores on your travels? No, only went to the market. Had like some time in San Diego. Uh, met as I was telling you off air, pretend well, going to be a future guest, but I will say this potentially one of the most incredible <laughs> linking of worlds guests that we've had on the show. Yeah, I um, like the. I don't. I know we're talking inside baseball at this point, but yeah, I, I'm I'm anticipating that. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got I'm hung out with that person. Went out for food with them, and then uh, went out and interviewed Conan. Finally, oh, you did? Nice. Cool. Finally got my goddamn Conan interview that I've been chasing for months. <laughs> nice. Across countries. Across <laughs> continents, basically. And you got it in San Diego, you said. Got it in San Diego at his house. Nice. Well, there you go. Yeah. And in, in like, it was awesome. I sent him a picture of that when I got the Massacre 68 LP because he only thinks that punk is white boy shit. <laughs> <laughs> So anytime I find any reference to <laughs> punk in Mexico or Cuba, I has he never say. heard of the Bad Brains ever? He 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 acknowledges the Bad Brains finally, like <laughs> finally, because like Kevin Gill, you know, how's this for some punk connections? You know, striving for togetherness records. Mm-hmm, yeah, Kevin Gill, the guy who ran that label, mm-hmm. uh, is and also is the mouth of Jug- Juggalo Championship Wrestling, and is like inner circle with ICP. I recall that I know there was some connection, but go on. Yeah, I do. I do yeah. recall you mentioning something. Is the producer of Conan's podcast, or like co-host of Conan's podcast? <laughs> so he, like, you know, being a champion of of punk and hardcore, like, forced Conan to watch the Bad Brains documentary. So he will acknowledge, or the HR documentary that came out. Mm-hmm. So he will acknowledge that Bad Brains are like, you know, proof that there are people that aren't white that are into punk <laughs> but yeah. you know he's like he won't acknowledge anything else like even though the mvp is from the same neighborhood he's from in miami and is into punk <laughs> you know so i sent him a photo of that and hashtag that white boy shit that's really funny mm-hmm. a good move good good vibe i i'm I just like the idea that I just like that dismissive summary is very funny to me. Oh, it's that. awesome. Like he's had me on his show a couple times. Um, and it's and every time like we talk about punk and he's just like, Yeah, it's white boy shit. And I'll be like, well, Yeah, I mean... Los Crudos and he'll be like, White boy shit. I'll be like everything <laughs> from Brazil. He's like white boy shit. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. Uh, so. Conan just went up more in my estimations. Oh no, he's he's definitely a, a funny guy. But also, there are wrestlers like Phoenix, who's a wrestler. Uh, Ray Phoenix, an unbelievable wrestler, told me when I brought up Masakari '68 that he heard of him 
and had heard them because his friend was super into them growing up. Hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, um, they're, they're a great band. I recommend checking them out. There's bootlegs available that are fairly inexpensive. Yeah. I don't know that oddly enough. I do not know that one. Um, yeah, like they're the only band from Mexico I'd ever heard of, you know, until, until, you know, checked out some other stuff after, you know, kind of being hip to it. But there's like, obviously a history of incredible punk coming from that country and more than I had thought of and knew of, I should say, and definitely some incredible metal also from that country. Um, but those records are hard to find. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Like, well, just the idea too, like you're not, I guess maybe not in the, even in the Discogs world, you're still having trouble with some of that stuff. No, you can find it. I, I like, given how much the bootlegs look like the originals and how, you know, I would, I would have a hard time buying off like sight unseen. Yeah. Fair enough. For gotcha. a lot of this stuff. Never um, thought about that. Yeah. That's true. But, uh, you know, but that, that I would say that for a lot of records now, well, you got to trust your seller, I guess. <laughs> Very true. That's why I've hesitated on buying some hitters in recent uh, in the last year. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely like you know, and Discogs is safe. You know, like there, it's a community policed by a community, but at the same time, you know, it's it's. I, I just prefer buying records in person. No, I, I'm with you too. I just mean the when it comes to the idea of like something that's so scarce or whatever. Yeah, like I don't like. Also, I think for me, there's always records I want. Like you know, like the idea of going on Discogs and being like, "Okay, I'm going to buy this today." Like, there's definitely stuff I should be doing that with on Discogs. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm almost like, "Yeah, but there's like records, you know, in my backyard that I want to buy." Yeah, I think like buy. for me, it's I like the spontaneity of going to places yeah me too um so and i well obviously like i know you like that too because it's i've done those those journeys with you but um but i mean it's like yeah it's just the spontaneity of finding something of course this is like a typical record nerd talk now but yeah I, i just there's something about digging there's something about coming across it in sort of a I think what it is is it sort of like benchmarks the experience when you have it mm-hmm. going forward that that's my you know, pretty atypical take on it, but that's what I like. So I'm with you. There are days though, when I'm like, you have a burning itch for, it's like, I feel mild shame for not having like a certain record of whatever type. And I'm like, eye up the discogs and thinking, oh, oh yeah. But yeah. No, there's days I'm tempted, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, like there's just always, there's always a place that I'm close to that I could buy a record at. I'm like, oh, I should just buy a record. Yeah. There. Well, see, you're you're in a bit more of a fortunate yeah. situation than I am. Uh, so there's, yeah, you could walk around and find some. Maybe I would have some difficulty. And I'm saving for Japan. <laughs> yes, exactly. Very important. Oh, God, yes. Oh, my <laughs> God, yes. It will be, it will be awesome. Not looking forward to no cannabis for 20 days, but definitely looking forward to 20 days of records. (laughs) Uh, I like that those are the two considerations. Well, like when your job is covering professional wrestling or talking about professional wrestling, uh, like, you know, your primary concern is so light that all your other concerns have to be equally as light. I just no, mean the wrestling's like, serious. I think the wrestling stuff is actually serious. That's why this is a good escape. 
I'm just laughing at the the sense of like when you're in Japan, are you going to be in like a westernized hotel? I'd be worried about the toilet situation, for example. Oh, I'm not. Believe me, I'm not worried at all about the toilet situation in Japan. <laughs> I just mean I think regular folks. That would be one of the top three concerns, probably. I think like when I was, you know, like obviously. I don't know, I, I, not obviously, sorry. I've been in Japan in a couple of years, but that's like my favorite place to go. It's, I mean, I've only been once and I, it was excellent. And I, uh, I highly recommend it as well. And I did not win on records at all, which I'm permanently teased about from folks like you. But one time um, I won on records, one time I didn't at all. Yeah. Because my but it was funny when I came back, like for the listeners who don't know anything. So, I had done what we spoke of earlier and again had no had had a translator who was again very nice person just it was not involved in punk by any means didn't really understand it as a construct frankly and uh <laughs> so I came back and I you know lost and then every I think you guys went slightly after or someone did one of either your bandmates or anyway people went and just like won like crazy scored stuff and like spoke as if like you just walked down the street and people were throwing like rare records at you. Like it was that crazy. And uh, it may have been at those years, but I, yeah, I did not know where to go and like where to look for it. Um, there, there's like, it's, there's like stores that just have my want list. <laughs> it's like, Oh, you just have every record I could conceivably yeah. want. Yeah. Yeah. There's like uh it's like it's insane how specialized it gets there too. Like in the punk store for the rare punk seven inches, when you're looking at like a rock against communism oi section, you're like <laughs> yep. maybe this is too specific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that is probably where you'd find it though. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. anywhere like in the world. Yeah. There is like there is definitely extreme records. <laughs> on yeah. sale in japan of all types of all types and uh luckily for me i'm only looking for japanese stuff <laughs> so yes. did not have to peruse that section no. um, i was looking for but like when you're looking for the japanese hardcore there ain't too many places better to go than japan yeah true um so i got i got i got big big dreams this time <laughs> nice. one time i couldn't get my bank card to work though and luckily i had enough money in my pocket to get the uh, that comp that bastard's on the which is the one bastard record i didn't have and had enough money to get back on the subway to my hotel so i wouldn't be <laughs> stranded i like that you gambled that hard with it <laughs> i was counting yeah and then the guy got me to sign like a fucked up record at the end and yeah. stuff like that and like sign a bunch of stuff which i was totally cool with obviously but like i'm like man you made me count to the last cent for this record. <laughs> oh. oh boy uh but anyway i had enough to get on the subway i was very excited <laughs> nice very excited uh speaking of excited this wrestling show is gonna be crazy chris yeah i know you're uh you're working you're working your well you're this the amount of travel you're doing for it. I'm very curious to see the final product. Yeah, I think I think we're making you know like not you know obviously the filmmakers who are doing it and uh, you know the timing of this couldn't be better. But like the stuff that's happening, it's just it's a very interesting time for wrestling and also just like a very interesting time for 
I don't know. I'm excited for people to see it. I think even if you don't like wrestling, there's going to be really incredible takeaways from this. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've you you fill me in on things you're up to as you're doing them on occasion too. So, I kind of um I'm curious about the things I've heard about over the last you know month or so. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we're not going to talk about that now, Chris, because we're going to be trying <laughs> to talk about that on footnotes in the future. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, what we've kind of missed in the last few weeks. Yes, you also didn't do any of your bumpers, by the way. Oh yeah, like I guess we can do that um if you want to get in touch with me find me on various forms of social media at left for damien uh and if if you want to support this podcast write a review rate and subscribe it or subscribe to it i guess um that's what you can do to help it that'd be a great help and if how do they get in touch with us here chris uh turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com and uh due to our uh sort of sporadic uh, schedule. I know it's been a little off for folks and we're trying to sort of, we'll get back on pace uh, in terms of getting regular, whatever communique going, but right now it's, uh, we're going to get to it when we can. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's the one issue I'm afraid right now is that you're going to have to bear with us. Uh, we'll do a, like a mailbag cleanup type thing at some point with hopefully our two correspondents, one of which we have to thank greatly for this episode one of these episodes yeah. happening. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we will dive into today's episode. I guess first, though, we got to talk about the passing of a legend, like a real Toronto music legend, a worldwide music legend, someone responsible for you know, a lot of stuff that uh, I don't think would have happened without you know his musical influence. Uh, Freddie Pompey of the Vile Tones passed away and The Secrets um of uh of cancer um what was it may 20 no it says right here actually may i'm looking up the uh we were trying to find this earlier and then i did find it just now may 13th on may 13th it was, so it was age yeah. 70 um and they we've discussed it on the show they were they did a fundraiser um because he had a uh, significant metal medical bills leading up to that as well so uh it's kind of nice actually that that took place well, obviously that it took place prior to his passing, but that there was at least sort of a little bit of a gathering mm -hmm. um, that hopefully he heard about. I don't know. Was he there? I don't, I don't, I, I didn't, I wasn't able to make it. I'm assuming he was in the hospital, but I don't know. Yeah, he was, I guess he was in and out of the hospital. That's the fundraiser okay. was to help pay for his medical bills. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I guess he unfortunately succumbed to the cancer. Uh, he was of course a guest on this show. And uh, someone that I, you know, was honored to get a chance to kind of interview and meet and someone who, you know, has left a huge, huge, huge stamp on the city. Yeah, totally. I think, too, for the people that have not listened to that episode, um, it's it's an excellent episode, especially like filling in the blanks of anything of those like that band in those years. Some really good stuff in there. So I recommend highly listening to it. It's mm -hmm. a great, great interview. Mm -hmm. And there's a great write-up about him as well, uh, written by uh, my friend Cam Lindsay, and also a uh, has some really cool comments and quotes about Freddie and kind of Freddie's importance and kind of role in his life from Don Pyle, also a former guest of the show and, and a brilliant photographer. And yeah, he's he's definitely uh, going to be missed. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that's 
it's it's certainly you know as you say like it's it's great that he got i think hopefully a little bit of acknowledgement um, yeah i think i think so i mean i think even when he passed it was pretty big news which i was very happy about in terms of people recognizing the importance of people mm-hmm. i don't think this would have been i mean if this happened 20 years ago and he died at night much younger I, I don't know how much that's the one thing about the internet in this sort of era yeah yeah like frankie venom i don't think really got acknowledged in the way he should have yeah exactly that's exactly what i was thinking of as i was saying that in the back of my mind but yeah totally and I think that that is, you know, that's too bad because it's, you know, these are people who uh, definitely, at least as far as I'm concerned, are like made a huge impact. Not, you know, not directly. I didn't know any of these people, but, you know, that what they had done is is what I take cues from in terms of why I'm interested in what I am right now. So. Oh, yeah. And if you think about that guitar sound that, you know, he yep. kind of had on there and the influence yep. that would have on of course what the bad brains would kind of do with their own sound but you know like it's like the, the fact that they were in that mix you, you yep. know and, and and an influence on the bad brains i think you know shows where ultimately that small contribution would go like that bad brains you know were hugely hugely influential to everything else you know and like you know not discounting what vile tones were also influential on their own and to many, many people, ourselves included. So, yeah, I think uh, hopefully, you know, this isn't the only place he acknowledges his passing. And if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to that episode, because I think he has had a remarkable life and it's great to kind of hear him talk about it. For sure. Um, So I guess now awkward transition wise, we're not going to do any mailbag this week and we're going to just jump into the show. Um, Cool. Because, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to get to. Um, three <laughs> episodes uh, worth talking about um, uh, today. And I think we're going to have to start with the very first one, which is my homie, Jake Fogelness, of all sorts of stuff. But as I kind of have coined him now, the Doogie Hauser of media. <laughs> yeah, what, what, like, what do you mean by that? I didn't understand what you well, meant. Well, like, it that. took me... I didn't get on to much music as a VJ until I was like in my, my late twenties. Okay. Early thirties. I, I get what you're getting. You know, at like now. when most people would become a doctor. Here's Doogie <laughs> Hauser. He's a doctor at like what, fourteen? Fifteen? <laughs> so that's like exactly where uh our friend uh Dr. Jake is. Well, that I uh, I enjoyed this episode thoroughly. Um and it filled in a few things for me too, but like I admittedly Looking him up after, like, I recognize him from things. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, it was in Wet Hot Summer. Wet Hot American Summer, pardon me. He's in the very first one, just for a second. Yeah, and yeah. I, th- I recognize him. I don't know what, anyway, but on the shows he's worked on, I've, I'm familiar with and stuff. But um, but Squirt TV, admittedly, I was not something I was really, like, aware of, really. So that sort of whole discussion was funny. And now I get what you mean by the Doogie Hauser thing. But, um, but yeah, it was really great. I, that, I don't know. For me... You know, this era of New York that he's discussing is, like, so great in my mind. So I was uh, thrilled to hear things. But, um, yeah, great. I don't know. I don't know where you want to begin. Um, well, I don't know where we should begin. Um, I guess we could dive into, uh, right off the top, uh, you know, that era of New York. Okay. All like right. Growing up and moving into New York in that time period. Like, I think, to me, that's, <clears> like, something that I very much romanticize. You know, like, the the New York of the late 
eighties, early nineties. Yep. Is, it was uh, funny. Um, sorry to cut you off. No, no, was, go on. Listening to uh, the first old dirty bastard record just prior to having this discussion with you. And the entire time I was listening to it, weirdly enough, I was thinking about things from his interview because that record also is like kind of that era. Yeah. Um, it yeah, was definitely. like hugely influential on me too. And like, and it's a great record also, if you haven't heard it, but back to hip hop, but, uh, yeah, so like that, there's so much that sort of got touched on when he's discussing that. I couldn't imagine being privy to it. Like when he talks about that kids screening where they're all just there, yeah. like that to me, and his, his Casper story is amazing. Yeah, his Casper story is incredible. <laughs> like, like, I didn't uh, see, like, I knew of the story behind kids. Like, I knew that they were like really, you know, whatever, kids, young people in, in New York doing their thing. I knew that that's how Larry Clark, whatever found them, but I wasn't aware that like any of them actually like were at Supreme or like, you know, I didn't yeah, know. They were all like that. Connection. That's why that shit was in that movie. Yeah. Cause it was those kids bringing it in. Like, it's crazy when you go back and you look and you're like, Oh fuck, Harold Hunter's wearing a Supreme shirt. Yeah. Like that's 94. Oh yeah. Like that's definitely deep. <laughs> but that's like, that's the scene that stuff came out of. Well, I guess I, I um, there's that film Beautiful Losers that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, you mentioned that as well. I haven't seen that yet, but I, I definitely have to based on what you guys were talking about. What little it came up. Yeah, like it's. I think it's really neat to kind of see. I don't know, like maybe this is common knowledge for people kind of in that scene, but how <coughs> skating, music, art, and 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 hip hop kind of all fit together in New York in that context at that time period. Well, it's, yeah, it is weird now because I think that kind of weird hybrid of things is a very like ubiquitous thing now. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that that era was a foundation for like what you have now, which is where you don't have, you know, you know, as far as from young people that I experience, not any like super distinctions as far as like, liking only one genre or not, you know, like skateboarding, obviously it's like ubiquitous now, you know, it wasn't then it was starting to be then, but not certainly wasn't. Um, but yeah, the, all, the influence of all that is crazy. Like, so I think kids in particular, I don't know about beautiful losers, but captures a little bit of it. Um, but yeah, it is, it's just crazy when you think of like, you mentioned Supreme, like it's like that. <laughs> it's insane how that's still super in vogue. You know yeah. what I mean? Like now, I think yeah. it's you know probably arguably much more of a a big deal now, even to people. Like I know I'm sure there's people that have been into it since, but um, yeah, it's just it's funny to think of the lasting influence. I guess is what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah, no, it's but, definitely but, it's it's crazy. It's also funny to think is that like, and he brought him up on the show too. But is that like the world the BC Boys were informed by? Is that the world the BC Boys kind of created? See, that's a, it's an interesting question because I, I'm, there are people that are more deeper heads than you and I on this would probably have a different take. From my, you know, again, not claiming to be, you know, the, the biggest uh, knowledgeable in this, you know, area, but um, my understanding was that this was a world a bit outside of them. But to me, viewing it, I feel like it's a world that they influence. Yeah, um, definitely. I like, you know, like... I don't know. Like it's it's so funny to think. I would argue that they kind of had the the 
the ability to kind of like shape their New York in the mm-hmm. same way Drake has had the ability to shape his Toronto. <laughs> yeah, so as often <laughs> as often mentioned on the show here. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, um I think that's I mean again we neither of us lived in New York in those years perhaps that I don't know. To me that I get what you're getting at with that. I don't know if someone would object who was in there in that era but um but for me it was just like obviously Beastie Boys predate what all that stuff is. So my general feeling is that BC boys are kind of like, or the phenomena of, or the grand royal phenomena, or whatever you want to say. To me, that all, uh, to one degree or another, at least elements of it, were the foundation of what now is that whole world of like sort of art appreciating, street culture, youth culture, skateboarding, you know, high fashion now, which wasn't always high fashion or whatever. Um, or arguably still isn't. I don't know. But uh, they, they were probably like one of the few groups of people in New York that was like down with like Jimmy Gestapo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. With um, with like you know the 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 people from like I don't know, like like you know Tribe Called Quest I guess or or Leaders of the New School or like they were also down with like you know they were down with like a a lot of different people at that time. Yeah. I think, I think, um, and it's something that I find very strange because I know obviously in, in, you know, whatever, in the, in the history books, they're acknowledged, obviously, but I still feel like, you know, the average, uh, I don't see a lot of them sort of mentioned in, in these like nineties, uh, like, you know, how kind of like, you, at least you and I, when we were coming up, cause we're, we're basically the same age. You know, there, everything was 80s revival crap, you yeah. know what I mean? And some good, some bad. But there was always kind of these hallmarks that, you know, you know, obviously new wave music being a large part of it. But uh, the 90s stuff that's happening now, that's kind of like the whatever, the homages that you see, which are kind of funny to me. Um, which more or less like the ones that I've seen lately that are kind of like painfully obvious are always like acknowledging grunge and, and all of that or something. And, and that's fine. But, um, for me, like nineties beastie boys, even though obviously they've predate that, but like, I think they were most influential in that era. Yeah. I would, um, I would, I would argue that they're probably the most influential band of that era of, of that time period. Like they're more influential than Nirvana, like, like actual, like influence, like Nirvana you know, shifted the needle and, and all that kind of stuff. But like, I'm saying like a long-term impact. Yeah. Beastie Boys, you know, like on fashion, like on all that stuff, it was like the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Agreed. And I think the other group, which gets mentioned in the Jake episode. And, uh, I also found funny when you're saying that they lived like up the street from it, but Sonic Youth, of course, needs to get acknowledged as well. And so I I would say Sonic Youth, like less so than the Beastie Boys. Yes, but I, I just think when in when my brain thinks of like '90s, you know, the the two hallmarks that kind of come of what influenced a lot of stuff were those two things. Um, specifically, like key records that they put out in those eras is what sort of I'm thinking of. Like I'm thinking of like Check Your Head, and I'm thinking of Ill Communication, or I'm thinking of Dirty, and I'm thinking of uh, well, the Sonic Youth for me is like Dirty is the one. All the not all the other ones. People will say washing machine, but washing machine is actually a sister. Hot take. Hot take. Washing machine is not a good record, but uh, washing um, machine has a one really long song. Yes, 
and it's like got a cool cover, but it's not a great record. Um, I, I prefer Experimental Jet Set, but it's also not a great record. Although it has a great video. An amazing for video. For Bull, Bull and the Heather. Yep. But yeah. I didn't think you meant Doctor's Orders. <laughs> uh, which I believe, isn't Bull and the Heather, isn't that the one that uh, Bikini Kill? Uh, yep, Kathleen Hand is in it. Kathleen's in, yeah, nice. Um, stumbling on a name there. Um, anyway, yeah, so he touched, I'm sure there was a few things he mentions directly when those come up, like the movie. Well, one, I did not realize Alan Moyle, okay, what movie, he directed Pump Up the Volume, which I remember yeah. hearing, holy, but what was the other one you guys were talking Empire about? Empire Records. And, but, yeah, I didn't know that he directed both, though. That's crazy. Dude, he, he also did a New Waterford Girl. His, his, let's call up his IMDb. It's a pretty good one. Yeah, because I, I did not know that the director of, of uh, whatchamacallit, of uh, Pump Up the Volume was Canadian. I was yeah. amazed to hear that. Yeah, it was from Quebec. That's nuts. I had no idea about any of that. And even the movie you discuss in here, I've not, like, what bothered me is I didn't have anything to to reference when you're talking about that um, Times Square movie. Oh, Times Square, no, yeah. No, Times Square, I've not seen that. I don't know how that's slipped under my radar. Like, all that stuff is right in my wheelhouse. And I was like, what? what is this movie? I don't know this movie. You should see it. I am yeah, going to track it down now. It's definitely seems to be something in my uh, that I should know. Yeah, Empire Records. Yeah, Times Square, man. Eighty two. Like I should know this movie. I don't know why. I don't know it. He's his, <laughs> his new movie he's working on. How sweet it is. Film director Alan Moyle, who brought you the hits Empire Records, arguable that's a hit, and Pump Up the Volume, that was a hit, joins up with four other diabetic candidates in exploring the phenomena of curing diabetes that has been springing up all across the globe. The Gang of Five, as they call themselves, brings you a fun-filled adventure in which they make life-altering changes to their diet, daily diet and fitness, all while delving into alternative healing concepts in an attempt to rid themselves of type 2 diabetes. Wow. Yeah. That, is a, that is a different kind of action movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jake Folk. Crazy. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I thought, I'm sorry. It was people that I've recently viewed, and it was like Jake Folk when this was coming up. So I'm like, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> but, you know. That he was sense. also on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I got to see Times Square, but I love Pump of the Volume. Uh, I liked him mentioning, too, Jake mentioning the idea of, like, getting into the descendants from that. And, yeah, all that was great. I don't know. Dude, what are, yeah, you know, like his squ- – I, I want to try and get him on the podcast. I wonder what this movie, The Rubber Gun, is like from 1977 that he did. <laughs> yes, I don't know. A communal drug family begins to dissolve from within while a university student watches and records it all. Hmm. I bet you that's like a student film. Oh. I'm thinking, yeah. I, I'm surprised that you haven't seen that because you, you were at the video store. I'm shocked they didn't have this. Well, they might have, but I just like – I probably wasn't like as, as uh, you know, kind of like – aware of all the possible yeah, yeah. punk connections out there fair enough but his like it it like it's crazy he made he made Times square in 1980 and then didn't make another movie for 10 years yeah yeah it's very bizarre and then he had pump up volume that he has one every like two to three and then it yeah. just seems to go away <laughs> like... well yeah the new waterford girl um 
he came back to Canada after Empire Records because Empire Records was did not you know wasn't didn't come out like it was like dead on arrival. Which is a strange thing now because when you see it, if, if for those of us who lived in the '90s, like that was a heavily promoted movie. Yeah. Um, it's a train wreck of a movie, though. Yeah, there's. It's weird. I've always found the the one. Of, I can't remember which one. Is it Liv Tyler that has a relationship with the older man, or yeah. is it? Yep. Like I found that storyline to be really weird and creepy. There's a lot of weird stuff in that movie. There's like a trillion plot lines. Yeah. A dude gets eaten by the guar monster. Yeah, but that that part is the most. Uh, that part I like. That part's yeah, like, no, I like that part too. But yeah, you're right. It's it's the weird like tonal tonal shifts. Yeah, there's like, like that scene there's, like, where side angle, right? Too. Yeah, and then she's like, and I have an uh, like an addiction to diet pills, and it's just like, wait, what? Like an, another plot line? Like we're near we're in the wrapping up phase of this movie. <laughs> it's almost like they took every note from the studio and threw everything in. Or it's like they, or he like shot a TV show, and they're like, actually, we kind of <laughs> need you to turn it into a two-hour movie. Is that possible? Is that yeah, at all feasible? <laughs> well, ninety-five. I thought I like that you guys shouted out Edwin Starr though when you talked about it. That was cool. Yeah, like orange juice. Yeah, and that's like just... that. That that was like the one thing that came out of that movie was like that video and that song was a huge hit. Yeah, totally. And now I it's just, crazy uh, when you go through the cast of that movie, like, holy fuck, there are a lot of stars. Yeah, it's it's just such a, I don't know, bizarre phenomenon. Like, I even think, I just think it's, like, I know of, obviously, I know of that movie, and I knew of Pump Up the Volume. I just would never have tied those two together. And mind you, they're separated by, you know, well, five years, but it just seems like they're way more apart than that. I don't know, in my in my mind. But, yeah, I don't know. I like them both. Like Empire is definitely flawed to bits. I'm sure Pump of the Volume is has some problems here and there, but I I, I really like Pump of the Volume still. Like it's oh, yeah. cheesy, but like the punk, the high school punk is like the best. Like I miss that about movies now, where <laughs> like so many '80s kind of movies or TV, like the the token punk person in movies is like that was always the funniest thing to look out for. Like how either off it was or like if they got it right, you know, which was rare (laughs) (laughs) if ever. Um, But uh, that one is particularly funny um, in that movie. I don't know the character's name, but I guess he sort of is whatever Christian Slater, but I'm talking about the other guy that like rallies, he gets expelled, right? For doing something. He gets expelled for like playing the radio show in the school. That's right. Yeah. He's a, he's a like, freedom he wants the kids is, to have is that, is that ted from bill and ted's or i don't think so because that dude's sure. in that movie too right i don't know let's go look, I, go I don't know. <laughs> this is a weird weird uh, <laughs> turn for the turned out of punk yeah this is a very but, uh, weird turn out of punk we should probably digress to yeah, a different yeah. point now. Grab, whatever grab another point i don't know where you want to go from here um even we can go to a, if you want to go episode by episode or just jump around doesn't matter to me uh, let's just go, let's keep going episode to episode. Um, All right. uh, let's, uh, he had like weird, like crazy concert going experiences. Yeah. His, like most of the things he said, I was very envious of, but, uh, the John Spence, like him talking about the records that 
You got Len from that member of John Spencer's or band. It's just crazy. Dude, um, like he was like great records. Like the coolest people like, like yeah. Gerard Cosloy, like all these like, you know, people that I didn't get to meet till I was well into my thirties. Yes. And I, and you know, and like I had to slug it out in a band for years <laughs> to do it. <laughs> yes. People I've still not met. Not all of them anyway. Um, but yeah, like the, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, the show, I'm trying to think of the show ones. Cause I, I've just, I've listened to a few back to back. So I'm a little foggy on exactly the shows. Uh, I remember the one. Where you go to like one? see Michael Jackson in the front row. That was, yeah, the free tickets one was funny, but there was one before that. He's talking about going to, uh, it was a good first show. It was like, um, cheap trick. Yeah, Cheap Trick and uh, who was the weirdo, like the weird support or whatever, or they were support for, wasn't it? I, I can't remember who, anyway, Cheap Trick was clearly Argo the one. Speedwagon. That's right, <laughs> which to me is a strange coupling, but yeah, um, but yeah, Cheap Trick, I thought that was a good first show. I can see how that could like ignite something in a young person to uh, to get into whatever oh, this yeah, Cheap world. Cheap Trick's a sick band, like they're like yeah. a power pop band. Totally. And so, like, I I got that. I, I like to me that stuff is still, you know, it holds up in in that way. Like, it's not, it's not the deepest, like, hardest thing ever. But it, it you know, it's cool enough that it's like when people talk about getting into like I don't know, like the first couple Kiss records or like you know stuff like that. You're like, yeah, I get it. This is yep. you know great stuff. But um, but yeah, like the uh, yeah, he had great. I, I loved the John Waters stuff too. Like. He he was right on the mark with all that stuff. I was I was into kind of what what he was really really big on. I think that the Pink Flamingo story is insane that his parents showed him that or his dad or whatever. Yeah, like I remember that's... my friend Simon Ennis who's come up on the show a few times. Yeah, uh, refusing to show it to me when I was I forget what year. He's like, "You're not ready yet." I was like <laughs> in grade four. What do I you was... mean I'm not ready. I saw it probably when I was for the first time. I think I was it's definitely a teenager. I don't I want to say I was 16 or 17, I'm not sure. Um I certainly wasn't scarred by it, but it, I just found it very it's a, confusing. It's an intense movie. Yeah. The Egg Lady I still ready. have in my head. Yeah, exactly. Have you ever seen the photo by the way tying this to punk? I don't remember what book or what it was. One of those, like around the times of the like the finale Ramones thing. I feel like maybe it was one of the box sets where they had, um, you know, whatever. Like came along with one of those weird. Uh, I don't know what that. What was that last thing they had where it was like the final concert and all that? Do you Agos remember that? Amigos. Oh no! Was it actually called that, or that was the record? But I think they had, <laughs> maybe it's like all like goodbye so long. Yeah, well, fucking have it. You're somewhere. I'm going to look it up. But anyway, I, it's, <coughs> there, it's in one of these, like, whatever, like, retrospect things where there's a photo of Joey and the egg lady from that movie. Yeah, like, there's there was another thing that around that time, this is what I thought you were going to reference, where they were like, the egg lady is a huge influence on early punk. <laughs> yeah, like, but there's a photo with Joey with her, and the, the sub-caption in this photo, I can't remember if it, where I saw it, but said like someone put something in my drink and like Joey looked like out of it and he has arm around the egg lady and you're just like how what is happening in this photo yeah, like, uh, you're right it's called we're out of here by the way from 97 yeah, yeah, uh, we're out of here. That's it. I don't know if this is the thing that has it but I think this is like a box I think. <laughs> I've told oh. the stories about that 
on here, right? No. What? Like when I met Johnny Ramone and he told us like all the stories about that thing. You've told the, that you met Johnny Ramone. I've never heard any of the stories. No. Oh, it was like right after that came out. So there were like, you know, there was like a lot of vitriol kind of felt towards that doc, that thing being the last Ramones concert. Okay. Because, um, you know, like Eddie Vedder ends it with an Eddie Cochran cover. Yeah, that that I always found. Even when I watched it originally, I friend I had a friend who like whatever he was. I mean, I all like my close knit friends. We all like the Ramones, but for some reason, this is like my one friend bought everything. Yeah. So when that came out, he like bought it. We like collectively went to his house and watched it. And I just remember thinking it was so like weird that because doesn't it? Who does? So it's I know he goes up and does something, but doesn't uh, Ranton <laughs> goes up and does a song too, right, or something? Or? Tim and Lars go up and sing. Uh, I think fifty third and third. Yeah, which is fine, and then like oh, it's awesome. That's you know that made sense to me as a kid. Yeah, but I was still the only thing about it. I just thought like they, like, they want to like it's the Ramones. Like you want to see the Ramones. I, I just always yeah. thought that I've always thought that was peculiar. Like that the band didn't just play. Well, they, then, according to Johnny, the reason Eddie Vedder went out last is because he the record label insisted that he be on the record, and so he did them a favor. Like was hmm. you know, obviously very willing to do it, and uh, he, I, I guess the, that was the song he knew the lyrics for the best. Crazy. So, but that's what we heard on that trip. On that Crazy, trip. yeah. The because uh, didn't he get like all the guitars or whatever too? He got at least one or two of Johnny's. I Johnny's thought guitar. I think so. I think his widow <clears> donated <throat> maybe all of them. Yeah, maybe some of them, all of them. And stuff, um, and also Dee Dee came in at the wrong time. I don't even remember. I haven't watched it in so long. What do you mean? Don't... He Didi like came fucked in... up on the on the songs. And oh they had yeah, to, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Together, I... weird. Yeah, I thought too because CJ CJ is in it though too, yeah. right? Yeah, Dee Dee just came out to do. Uh, what did he do? Warthog. Yeah, probably. Which is so weird. How, how doesn't he do fifty third and third? Come on, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyway, it's very strange. And I'd like to watch it again. Actually, I'm sh- I should just look it up one afternoon or whatever and just do that. But um, yeah, very strange in hindsight. But uh, don't remember how we got on this. Oh yeah, the egg lady photo. I think <laughs> it's in that. I think it's in that booklet. I think that's in that. If not, it's one of those whatever collections that came out in that span of time that um but anyway it's wild and i've always been perplexed by why that took place (laughs) or like what was happening and like how anyway whatever (laughs) your point i got to punch him about it and ask him back then um i guess my next point would be um actually while we're to to, to stop you real quick again yes Footnotes, uh, if you know where that photo was taken or the history behind it or whatever, email us, please. I would love to know. And or what release it's in or whatever. Um, I keep forgetting that we can solicit for these things from people. Um, Would you go on the Manson family bus tour? (laughs) When it got brought up, I'll tell you, the first thing I thought of was, yeah, I want to do that immediately. Like that was, yeah. So yes, the answer is yes because when you were talking about, it, I was like, I'm doing that next time I'm in LA, if it's in LA, wherever that area. Pre me having kids, I would be on there with you, but now I don't know if I could do it. Well, I just 
the way he brings it up, I, I think oh yeah, no, it's it was, sounds awesome. If like if the money is going directly to you know Charlie in prison, yeah, I probably wouldn't do it. But like if it's like ah, oh, some dude, whatever, that's yeah. fine. No, I, no, I just meant it because I just like I don't know. It'd be kind of a bummer afternoon. Yeah, I don't know. I I have a weird fascination with those things, so I think I would be intrigued. But I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah. I, see, for me, I wouldn't be as interested in like the crime sites, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I more or less just want to see, you know, like like Spawn Ranch where that was or whatever, if it still exists in any capacity, that kind of stuff. Not the, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. No, no, I know what you're saying. Like that, that, you know, it's fine. Okay. Here's a house. Like I've seen crime houses before, but like, and again, this is a house, but like, yeah. And I know what you mean with that. That is morbid, quite morbid. It'd be, um, it'd be like, it, it's crazy to think though, you know, talk about some like influence on music, especially music from that time period. It's great. Like they talk about in the Sonic Youth book, like the influence of Charles Manson on their camp. I like the, uh, <laughs> I think he says if they just gave a record deal, none of this would have happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it might be true. <laughs> yeah. Did you read that, um, that biography that came out maybe two years ago? I think we talked, we talked about it. You talk about it. I've never read any Manson books. I've that one's like, worth read, reading. Like, it's yeah, an interesting never, read. I like, it's, it's kind of weird now because that it's, quite bizarre that that crime when you think of the types of crimes that have happened since in the world that have been high profile you know it's it's just crazy because it's it's like a whole bizarre phenomenon really is the way i view it but um it, it the fact that it's got this weird lasting like it like impact is kind of bizarre don't you feel like in in modern times i don't know like i think it's just so of its time, you know, and like, I just don't, you know, like there's never been that kind of crime done like it again to kind of change, you know, like I think youth crime that involves celebrity and involves yeah. like, you know, like the, the, the coolest of the cool at that time period. And, you know, it just, it's, it's got cult connections. It's got, you know, when you read this book, it's got connections to, you know, everything from Satanism to Scientology. <laughs> wow. Like, it's, it, yeah, it's like, it, it is like a fascinating case. I would like to read it. I, I, I've never read this book uh, of what you speak, but I'm, you know, I'm intrigued by that stuff. So perhaps I will one time. Um, but I just like, yeah, I'm amazed because like, when you think about, I mean, it's definitely, in the, there's horrendous parts of it, but I just think like, when you think of the, some of the craziness that's happened in the last, you know, whatever that happened, what, 69 or later? Uh, 69. <clears throat> yeah. Cause I think part of what it is, is it's, you know, that, and you talk about the iconography of, of that, like everyone knows that face and it's been utilized, of course, like. You guys were taught, I don't remember what you were talking about first, but for me it's like, uh, and I was shocked that they didn't come up when you guys were mentioning both of these, the use of that. But of course, negative effects, but that's like a, more inside baseball for yeah. people. But the other one for me is, because you guys talked about, did you say Psychic TV, not Psychic TV, Sonic Youth, you were talking about was yeah. using yeah. stuff with, yeah. see for me it's like Psychic TV is the one 
Uh, for um, me, it's Guns N' Roses. Yeah, see, I don't. I remember him wearing it vaguely, but I don't remember that really having a huge impression on me. And as then much they did the, the cover. On the cover, they did a cover of. Uh, oh, they did a cover. Sorry, I thought you mean he's wearing it on it. I was like, "What are you talking?" I don't remember that. But no, okay, he wore it yeah. in the video. He wore the Charlie Don't Surf shirt in the video. Yeah, yeah, the spaghetti incident thing you're talking about. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, um, which is kind of not. That is crazy in hindsight. Oh yeah, well, because that <laughs> um, that way the money did go to him. I think. Yeah, because it's not still... Son of Sam laws, right? Like Son of Sam laws protects you from profiting no, there's... off your crime. There's something though because the um his recordings are still um whatever they're still uh like lie is still the that record whatever you want to say first record only record um is officially in print from I can't remember who the hell does it cuz I was shocked to learn this recently um but I think it's on CD or whatever uh but it's they there is something with it uh I don't know. I'm going to look it up right now. Because I remember when I looked it up, I was amazed. Because it, it, basically what I'm trying to say is I don't believe the money goes to him. Um, maybe because he doesn't... Maybe then because it's a royalty thing? But I imagine some money would have to go no, to a it's trust something or something? To do, it's something to do with... Uh, I'm trying to find it. I'm trying, I'll just find it on the, the label here. It's funny that we're <laughs> going into this of all yeah. things. But um, I was I looked at it because I was amazed to find that it was officially in print. I thought, well, how the hell are you getting away with this? And uh, I just had to find the label, and there's there's like a disclaimer on the site, which <laughs> I just want to mention this first of all. So I'm looking on the resource, and for listeners who know the show and know us and whatever, I'm looking up Charles Manson. So Charlie Manson, which is a second entry on on the resource, yeah. Um, I just clicked on it thinking, okay, this is like, you know, whatever, first one. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> the first reference, if you look up Charlie Manson 2, the only credit, hallow brackets as Charlie, integrity, humanity, the devil, 1995. <laughs> That's definitely not actually him on it. I don't think so either, but uh, but maybe it is. Maybe it you is. Never know. No, yeah. Actually, no, the more I think about it, you know, it probably is. Uh, I think the the label is Awareness, who have kept it in print. Let me just double check. Uh, oh no, it's ESP Disc is the one I'm thinking of, because they did an official reissue. Well, they put it originally, ESP. No, Awareness did, and like, then way back when in the sixties. Yeah, seventy. Seventies. Awareness I mean, ESP did it. ESP have done like a really quick reissue of it then. It's seventy four. They did it. Yeah, after, and then um, so anyway, they it's still in print or whatever. And if you look at their website, because I remember, like, just I could not believe, because I was like, reissue? Who the hell, like, this got reissued? Because I just yeah. assumed the original record would, it was rare and expensive because it was what it is. And, uh, but no, it's like, it's been reissued and blah, blah, And, um, of course, I, anyway, I'm doing a terrible job of finding this. But basically, if you look this up, it's ESP disc. There's, there's a reference, whatever, you can buy it on their site, and there's some kind of a, a notation to like w that the profits don't go or something, something to that uh, effect. Okay. So anyway, and then hopefully Guns N' Roses found a similar loophole. Yeah, well, the thing I find craziest about that is that the major label was like, "Yeah, that's cool." Like, you didn't think there'd be blowback? Like, that just seems insane to me. Dude, I've heard stories of an original version of a Marilyn Manson album that is 
allegedly unbelievably offensive. <laughs> yeah, but like that is a little more cartoon. Like, cause even like, no, Tons this is Bros- like this is like some real fucked up shit, allegedly. Um, in this version of the record that never came out, I wonder if there's anything on that. Yeah, I'm looking this up now. I'm trying to find. I don't know why I can't find this stupid thing. Anyway, so we'll. Uh, I'll try and look this up while we're while we're discussing something else, maybe. But uh, here we go. I think I found it. Just trying to find this. Uh, cannot find it. But there's some kind of a disclaimer or whatever where it says. Yeah, I can't find it on here anyway, but I did find it at some juncture. Anyway, we're going to move on, because this is probably not great to listen to. No, probably not. Probably not very interesting. Your point. For me <laughs> Your point. <laughs> okay. Um, Actually, uh, that was your point. You want me to take a new point to take us off this? Uh, yeah, let's go uh, your point. You can go to whatever you want. Okay, well, the because um, you mentioned the bus tour, which is how we got on this dark, dark path. Um, I d- wasn't aware that the author of uh, We Got the Neutron Bomb had passed. That was news yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, who I believe also was at Spin or whatever, right? He was the famous like heroin journalist guy. Yeah, both both the authors of uh, Neutron Bomb had passed away now, I guess. Crazy. Um, so that was news to me. But the um, a, a lot of that like cable access New York stuff I was not familiar with, like it related to Squirt TV. Like, so the world he was discussing, like any of that stuff, like yeah. I'm aware of, I'm aware of it, but not in the sense of like, you know, knowing the shows and things of that nature. The fact that that's like kind of a world to itself for people in like New York is kind of crazy to me. Yeah, no, it's like, it is, or was. It, it's whatever. nuts when you turned on that thing. Cause like, especially cause like, you know, people make a big deal about city TV showing, uh, you know, the bluevies yeah. back in the day. You know, like, their adult stuff. But, like, then you think about this. You're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, like, it, 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 there is some really insane stuff on American TV. <laughs> I've never, I don't know it's, I don't know if it's because anytime I've stayed in here, like, I don't even know what channel to find that on. I don't think I've even, watching television is just not something I ever do. watch it, like, online now. Well, online now, but I just mean, like, anytime I've been to New York is what I'm trying to say. I don't think I've ever even just like stumbled on the dial and tried to like find some of that, which is funny in, in hindsight to think of now, like why, but I think it's cause I just, you're not, I'm not holed up like you're watching not. TV mountain about. Yeah. You're not, you're not looking for what they're no. offering. Yeah. yeah. It's just one of those things where you're like, man, I'd watch that constantly. <laughs> if I lived there, yeah. if I was aware of it. Yeah. No, there's definitely, you could watch it. You know, all the time. Like I also wasn't aware that get shows. that Gethard, 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 however you pronounce his name, Chris Gethard, yeah, yeah, that his show was not still there. Like I didn't realize he was still doing that show. Yeah, but now it's on a network. Yeah, that's crazy. I thought he did the show and it like came and went, and he's on whatever things now. I didn't know that it like moved on to like an actual big thing now. That's cool. Yeah, like he's gone on to kind of like. Well, he's obviously gone on because of his comedy stuff, too. But he's, like, right now on a big sold-out comedy tour and doing really well. 
So, you know, go out and see him if you get an opportunity. There's tickets available in your town. Go and see him. I think he's in Seattle tonight. Uh, you can find those dates online. Yes, previous friend of the show, too. Yep, absolutely. But, yeah, I don't know. As far as points from this, unless you want to jump to something else, I don't know what to flog. Uh, no, we can move on to the next episode because we've got, we, you know, we've been going for a while. And yeah, yeah. More to get to. Well, what would you like to start off with from the other? Uh, let's go into, first of all, we got to say David up. Thank yeah. you for coming through with this one. Um, this is one of my dream guests to have on the show uh, because I knew she had like this like totally legit DIY punk background. And that was kind of the impetus for her kind of going on to the career she's gone on to. Uh, Joanna Angel, uh, owner of BurningAngel.com and uh, an adult film star, had a hard time finding images to post to promote this. <laughs> uh, David, Which is like, no, I, know, I do not mean that in a judgmental or disrespectful no, way. No, no, I don't like, either. I'm just laughing because you, you sounded stressed when you mentioned it. Just well, because like, I, I, like, I want to follow her on social media because she's like the coolest, right? But then yeah. I'm like, my kids check my Instagram. And like, <laughs> you know, like, granted, they do see a lot of cannabis stuff that way. And you can make your arguments about that <laughs> stuff, you know. But at the same time, it's like, there's a reason that some stuff's over 18. Yeah, I think sexuality is a is a tricky one for young, young people. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm like, you know, these kids are young kids. So, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, but that's that was the only reason there was stress in my life about no, I get you. The social yeah. media stuff. Because, yeah, she's one of the coolest guests I've had on here as far as, like, afterwards just being really appreciative. Like, I had no idea being on this show was uh, a bit – I forget that sometimes people are really stoked to be on this thing. So when someone is stoked about it, it's like, oh, wow, thank you. Um, and, yeah, like, this was a really fun episode because, you know, I like things that link these disparate worlds. And this one, oh, my God, does it link some pretty – Pretty, I thought, in linkable kind of worlds, you know? Like, well, I don't I, think you could make any connect, people that, there weren't many people that were going at to all these different types of shows back then. Like, I certainly wasn't, as I keep saying. No, exactly. I think, like, uh, not to not to downplay, like, her enthusiasm, but I think it's the, the hotbed of that area. And area is uh, something I'm mildly envious of because it, it seems like there was just a lot that was fairly, you know, within your, whatever, your grasp at all times. Yeah, it's crazy because we've done this before, but when you go through the Eyeball Records discography, it's, it's you know, and I, he, you know, he comes up on this show, um, unfortunately, in a really sort of tragic kind of scenario. Yeah, that story was nuts. That story is nuts. That is definitely, I had no idea that's where this, that was going to go. We have to, uh, we have to, yeah, we have to, I didn't know that. I'm curious, uh, I don't know if on the show, but David Up's take on that. I'm curious. I had no idea about hearing anything related before. So, yeah, like it definitely seems like a pretty, un really, really sad situation to kind of have to witness unfold. But like, <clears throat> anyway, sorry. But on to like going to this guy's label, and you go through the records this guy released, and a lot of it's just because of the area. But it speaks to like the amazing stuff that was coming out of the area at this time. But you know, the fact that you have Thursday. My Chemical Romance, The Casualties, H2O, and, and like, you know, Thursday, I Hate God even was on this label for a while. Um, you know, all all these bands kind of on the same label. 
doing records at the same time. Well, this was one of your hallmark, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when you're talking about labels, I remember you brought this up in one, at least one past episode. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's, it's funny too, because some of the stuff like that breakdown record <clears throat> is like, or actually, I guess there's two. They did yeah. more than one breakdown record. Holy yeah. crap. Um, <laughs> the, uh, which I th- I feel like these are the breakdown records that no one remembers. <laughs> but uh, well, what's the self-titled one? This isn't. Is that the one with Street Fight on it? Or is that Blacklisted? That's Black. I'm thinking of Blacklisted. Yeah, Blacklisted is a sick record, dude. It's I'm fine with all breakdown. I just mean like compare it for me, like obviously the demo and to be cool guy about it. But <clears throat> I want to get never mind. Yeah, there's some there's breakdown two breakdowns on here. Yeah, I did not know Southern Discomfort was on this label. That's crazy. By I hate God. I hadn't. I don't. Well, no, I I have a version of that, but I guess I have a Century Media version of it. Yeah, that's just the vinyl version. Because I don't have the yeah the LP because I'm not uh, fortunate, unfortunately. Crazy. Well, the red vinyl yeah. version's never been sold. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any of those OG records, by the way? Uh, I hate God. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a bunch of the seven inches and uh, nice the first two LPs. Yeah, great band. Uh, amazing band. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's band. a very weird label. The thing that's straight like jumping out to me now when I was touring with bands and whatnot. It's crazy. I think this looks like is this the first My Chemical Romance thing? Probably. Yeah. Their earlier stuff, I think. Yeah, and then this band Murdered by Death, who I don't really know anything about. Uh, but they were like a big deal for a minute in that world. I remember yep. just touring and everyone freaking out about it. Um, again, I have no opinion either way. I don't know this group at all. But the um, So yeah, this was on what, like a few, two records, three records. Yeah, it, he's, this label is very interesting because I, like, I remember vaguely the name up until these, until your show, frankly. And people talked about it more. And now that I'm looking at some of this stuff, I'm like, yeah, why don't, why didn't this stick out more? Like, yeah. this is never a label that really jumped out for me. And I, no, to be fair, a lot of it isn't my taste, but um, Breakdown certainly is. But it seems like like a lot of those labels, it's it sort of started at a point and then digressed quite a bit. It stylistic. did digress, but like, you know, you go to like later on and you still see, um, you know, like, I don't know, like you still see, you know, Jeff doing records on there, like Thursday doing records on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, Um, You know, like, yeah, you're right. Like, it's, it's no longer Jeff Breakdown on it, but you still have, like, you know, My Chemical Romance and stuff, doing stuff with them. So, oh, it's a reissue. I was like, what is this My Chemical? Anyway, whatever. It's crazy. I, so he's still, there's an entry from 2015 here, like one of those My Chemical Romance reissues. So I didn't realize it was still active. Yeah, I guess it's like kind well, of like yeah. stop now, but yeah, Abdul a few years, years ago it looked pretty active. That's crazy. Um, and but also, yeah, that's... yeah, Midtown too was on that label. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know anything about that band. I think this is funny when you say releasing music from the casualties. <laughs> My Chemical Romance, Murder by Death, Midtown, Thursday, I Hate God, and others. Like that's a that list in and of itself. <laughs> it's crazy. It's insane. yeah. It's like a, and then you know. And then, you know, the influence he had also on this other world through Joanne Angel. Yes. But, Sidebar, this Terror Zone record, have you ever heard this? No. It says Terror Zone, Lord of Wrath from 95. Heavy metal, hardcore. 
<laughs> it looks like it might. It's got a cool vibe. It looks like it's got a really cool vibe. <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking maybe, maybe it's good. I've never heard it. Chris, and you got put the teal version on your uh, want list. <laughs> yeah, and this undesirables, destruction chaos. Well, that's yeah, sick. that's. I'm David Up. You need to hit us up about this stuff. Um, I feel like David Up. Would, record. I feel like David Up will know what these things are. Just obligatory. I got that first casualty seven inch, or the second one, I should say. I didn't realize too that H two O, which is the first H two O, is it not this four song demo thing? I think so. I think that I don't think they did it. Well, maybe they did an so actual the set demo. Came out first, I think. No. Hmm. I don't know. Either way. I wasn't aware that this was on this label either. Yeah, I have I have this thing too. I still have that. Blacklisted, of course, and Human. Yeah, I don't know if I own any of these records, sadly. Um, I don't. Well, sorry, I hate God. I don't own that version, but yeah, that's the only one. I don't own any of the late late breakdown stuff. Well, it looks like you and me both need to put that LP on our want list. <laughs> yes, I'll gladly accept all any and all breakdown. Um, I guess that we can move on, but that yeah, is yeah. what, like, yeah. So anyway, that I think speaks to kind of the diversity of music that was coming out of that area at that time. And, you know, like she was just like one of those few people that was kind of in tune to all of it. And obviously eyeball records too. Yeah. I like, um, about the overall interview. One thing I will say is I, I find like I'm most entertained by interviews that you get with people where, they're not talking about their primary uh whatever career and it's and it's kind of bizarre because jake's similarly to joanna's was that way where you know you were touching on things here and there that that they were a part of but overall it was like their experience coming up and, and just seeing how interested they were in other things that i, I in a lot of cases i would not have guessed <clears throat> that they liked well, hopefully, thank you, and because I, I, I want this thing to be like this is a control, and like this is a great equalizer, and like, yeah, and ultimately, like everyone's experiences are different, and what they're bringing to this thing is always going to be different. But mm-hmm. I, I think you know, there's if you just talk to people about the music they were into, it brings everyone back to the same place, and you can just kind yeah. of go from there. Like you know, there's not to say that Joanna, there's not an incredible interview to be done with her. You know, and she kind of alluded to the stuff she's written about her first day in porn. And from that side of things, you know, like the actual work that she does in that industry. Yeah. I was into the stuff that she was doing outside of that in the industry, like, you know, doing the Against Me show that night. Like, I think that to me is way more interesting. Or the fact that she chose to go to the Against Me show and help with that over going to a festival to promote her, her new website. <laughs> yeah, totally. I didn't uh what I will say is that I don't know the other thing about that is I know perhaps because we're where we are at least in, in my perception of this but um when she speaks about it sort of being when she speaks about going to that show like that what we allude to with the eyeball records um I don't know his name apologize but the the guy who was the fight ensued because they were there and that whole thing. Um I don't, I mean, I never went to anything where any of, any of that was like you, like at a show or whatever, but I wasn't aware they were like that it was only her and it was kind of very ground level. Like she started things kind of in the scene, if you will. Mm-hmm. I just always assumed it was like a, like a fetishization of the idea of the scene or however you want to 
frame that. <clears throat> so I found that kind of interesting in the way that, you know, I can't think of anything else that, and I don't mean like aesthetically, if anyone's aware of what that is, that world of Burning Angel and that whole thing, but like just the idea of like sort of sex positive, like in the way where it's actually like, if not directly, well, now it's certainly directly connected to porn, but at the time when it started, I don't know how directly connected to that world it was. I don't think it was like, I think she, like she kind of says, like it was coming from an outsider place. Yeah. Which again, it's, it's not something I ever thought of, you know, gave, gave a great deal of thought of to someone who was doing that, what that experience is like coming to it from a DIY headspace. Mm Mm-hmm thinking a community would embrace it and perhaps it, it will or won't or has or hasn't. But yeah, I, I, it's just, it was an interesting, like uh, a thought process, which I didn't think I would even like would even come up in your interview, frankly. Uh, one thing I will say though, is you frame the, uh, the Ian Mackay comment, um, uh, which I think you framed not intentionally, but I think you framed it a little differently than it came up in the actual conversation. Yeah, like you, her and I talked about it off air, yeah, beforehand, yeah. and it. Was I just like, be more for a listener, more for a listener standpoint. I'm not trying to like speak for anybody here. I just mean like it came up. She didn't like. It's not like some strange situation where we were like, "Hey," and he's like, the first thing he mentions is like her name I or something. Know, like, Chris, I didn't. Only I mischaracterized <laughs> in that way. He did bring it up out of nowhere. He did, but like, I it recall... was not like I'm like. So, what are your thoughts on BurningAngel.com? Yeah. No, but, but I can trace this. So the conversation actually dealt with. I don't remember how how we got to this. It point. started. It started because I was talking about wrestling and punk, and I'm like, punk and wrestling uh, have a lot in common. Like you know, they're they're, you know, they're like you know punk wrestling or the king of punk wrestling. I'm talking about Robbie Brooks and I think, of course. Yeah. 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 You always have to talk about him. Um, I talked to him on the phone today even, um, but it was, uh, you know, I, I do that because people say I name drop him all the time, but it's, it's <laughs> like, he's the patron saint of punks that like wrestling and wrestlers yeah. that like punk. He's um, still my favorite wrestler now. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like he's, he's the coolest, you know, like he's the only wrestler in the world you can talk to about active minds and SAS (laughs) and, you know, and have it just be like a completely normal, cool conversation (laughs) yeah, without him telling you it's white boy shit. Uh, (laughs) uh, But anyway, so we talked about that and then Ian was like, yeah, like punk and wrestling have nothing to do with each other. Like you can be in a wrestling and like punk, but they have nothing to do with each other. Punk is nothing to do with wrestling. He's like, it's like this time. And then he brings up Joanne Angel. I believe, though, that came off, if I, my memory is correct. He brings up, because we were discussing the idea, because there is a director in the adult industry that has his name spelled differently or something. It's like Ian oh, McKay. Or right? Yeah, but I think, That's, didn't that come out afterwards? I think that... I don't think I, unless my memory... I thought it, my, now, like, here's, this is like you and me trying to reenact the JF, the Kennedy assassination piece by yes, piece right yeah. now. But, yeah. like, I think that's how we rolled into the conversation about Fugazi and marketing. And then we were watching YouTube videos. Yeah. Maybe. I just – the way I I recalled it in my mind, perhaps I'm wrong about this, but is that it didn't, it didn't seem as 
abrupt as it was sort of brought up in the on the episode. That's all. <laughs> it was pretty abrupt. It was pretty abrupt. <laughs> well, but I don't remember it being. No, I think he did go there immediately, and then that led to the other part of the conversation because he was then making the comparison to Joanna Angel, asking him at that conference, like I said, um, or asking him at that reading about punk and pornography. Yeah, which I do think is an interesting actual question. I don't know how he answered it. Yeah, like her. it's it's a, it's a very interesting question. Like he he told her that punk and there's no such thing as punk and porn, but like you know, if you go with the I think fairly accepted notion in 2017 that a lot of people look at online pornography and a lot of people are doing it without paying the artists in question. Yeah. And uh, that that's like, you know, a legit concern. And if you want to like be fair and be equal and you want to support from within your community, there should be a place for this type thing using this, all this logic, you know, I'm not saying that. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because it's, it actually draws very similar comparisons to the music industry yeah. at large as well. Like any industry, of course, that's, you know, suffering, if you will, quote unquote, because of what we're discussing. But um, yeah, I, I just, I, I wanted to clarify as someone who was also there for the conversation that I didn't view it exactly as you have. Not that I don't I, think I, I dialed it back right. for her too. I, you heard what I said. Like, I'm like, no, no, I think I mischaracterized it. No, you but, did. You did. I just mean like I just it was a funny footnote moment to for for the listeners who will go who will I don't know who give a crap. <laughs> yeah, no, but that that is definitely. Uh, it, it, I will say that I'm pretty sure he brought it up <laughs> out of nowhere, Chris. I'm going to stand by that part of the story. Well, I it don't was know. led I, into by me talking about wrestling. Yeah, I'm not notarizing that, but uh, that's not how I recall it. But yeah, well, uh, I think I think you might be looking through this rose-colored straight-edge goggles. I was looking through the <laughs> painful no-weed eyes. Of, uh, <laughs> you could have been. You could have been. You, know. you two talked more than he and I talked, though. So, um, But anyway, let's move on. This, this debate yeah, yeah. could go on forever, as yeah, yeah. everyone knows, and everyone has already picked their side. Yeah. <laughs> Pick something. Uh... Uh, I guess like uh, I guess like the the that scene that um, begets um, David up and also Joanna Angel that is the uh, New York kind of like I don't <laughs> even know like shit punk scene like, no. <laughs> I don't think we, like obviously but, uh, some people in that scene have proven themselves to be real shit heads. Obviously, yeah. but not in our friends. Obviously, I'm not talking about our no, friends. No, no, no. But... Yeah, of course. But like the, that uh, is a weird scene. Is that like first of all uh, the characterization of calling something shit punk, of which I'm very familiar? Um, I've never entirely like anytime I've ever heard that. It's never been like you know inherently derogatory, as weird no. as that may sound to people. No. Uh, is that an actually officially accepted? <laughs> like whatever i don't know like i don't i don't like, even know because i didn't mean necessarily in a hundred percent derogatory way like i was no i know like, i didn't i didn't you know say the you new york it. hardcore stuff but it's like yeah like what else would you characterize kind of post gg allen yeah You're, yeah that's <laughs> like, well that is what i would have categorized it as but i mean like if we're talking privately uh that's what i would have said um but yeah i would it, it isn't inherently derogatory in meaning but that's what i've always heard people refer to certain groups of that ilk like 
um, some derogatory, some not. Um, but yeah, it's the thing I think is strange about it. Um, looking in hindsight is that I was never really interested in any of those bands and that's not a dig at them now, uh, even on the back of what I was just saying. I just, that scene, it just, it never, I don't know. It never sunk in. I, I like, I think the closest thing that was mentioned that I even at all was interested in was blank 77. Yeah. I like um, blank 77 a lot. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't put them in, I guess they were part of part of that scene, but yeah, like, I musically, think, it's it's kind of a different vibe. Yeah, so like casualties were just something I don't know why I just never got into, and like I, I'm very aware of like the name and like you know sort of the brand, if you will. Um, but I just never. It's just it's uh, there's a lot of groups like that that were coming out in that era that you know I just never I don't know it never never really caught me, and I think that. Um, if we spoke to someone like David up, he, I, I think he's more perhaps because it was such like a localized thing maybe for him. Well, he does have his picture on one of the casualties records too, right? Yeah. So I, I think that that world, it was just, it was a different world than I was exposed to. I've never been like a leather jacket punk either. I don't think either of us have. So um, that in and of itself is a kind of an interesting distinction to make too, where it's not that I'm opposed to any of that stuff. I just, I think there is a, you know, there are certain people that we certainly know that were more like that or that we've seen, you know, even here that would be more inclined for something like that as opposed to yeah. kind of the world I gravitated in, which speaks to kind of also the, the spectrum of punk hardcore by and large, you know, which, which kind of gets parsed in this interview with Joanna, like you're saying, where she's liking or like just experiencing things that are like vastly different. Like, I don't think of things like um, the casualties and rock from the crypt in the same world, but like kind of they are, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it, it's like, she has like the, like maximum rock and roll tastes. Like the, if you like read the entire issue of maximum rock and roll from that time period and were like into like all the bands mentioned, yeah, kind of like what she seems to be into, like every like, but I mean that and not like in an inauthentic way. Like she was authentically yeah. Yeah. into all these bands. No, agreed. Well, even you know, just the fact that she was also interested in tear it up, but like like less than Jake. Like that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's again like it. It's just it's not the. Uh, it's certainly not the trajectory I had, which isn't to say one is better or worse. I just. I couldn't relate to certain tastes she had, but when she would speak of some stuff, I was like, oh yeah, okay, like Rock with the Crypt's great. And like, I just, you know, I just like the pop punk stuff to a degree, I, I'm with it to a point, as we've discussed on the show. <laughs> Certainly not as deep as you go. Um, but, you know, obviously stuff like Tear It Up is right up my alley. That was my thing. Or she mentions Crudos, or she mentions. Um, well, Refuse. Exactly. And Refuse in that era, I certainly really enjoyed. Um, you know, sort of the OG era, if you yeah, will. Dillinger Escape Plan in that era. Like, those bands, yeah, all those really. bands in those eras. Like, I would still say, like, it's funny, I was talking to Robbie, Robbie uh, Brookside again, name, another name drop <laughs> um, today about it today. But, like, they're still, like, one of the best live plan bands on the planet. Like Dillinger? Yeah, they were very good. I've only seen them once, but they were excellent. Oh, my God. I saw, I saw them, them on uh, that first tour, and then I saw them again not too long ago, and they were both times just fucking ridiculous yeah i saw them on whatever the uh god i can't remember what the record is the, the big like the record that kind of spawned their like critical acclaim i can't remember what the hell it's called 
Is that like the, the first with what's his name on it? Um, the dude from uh, Coalescing. I can't remember their singers, but yeah, it was like I think the first guys on it, or however that goes. But the um, oh, why is it? I think Calculating Infinity, maybe it's called. I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, that I saw them then. Excellent, uh, excellent live group. Like legitimately, like dangerous, which was great. Um, but yeah. You're right in that in that era, but again, it's funny. I don't I don't feel you know they're now. I would never put them in in the same category at all as some of these other things because they've just sort of you know transcended that whole thing from what little I know about them now. But yeah, like it's I don't know. I think I think they're still like come up before the Morris County Youth Crew incident. Let's not forget that. I don't remember that one. What's that? Oh, uh, maybe we haven't talked about it on air, so maybe I'll save it for off air. Okay. <laughs> but uh, there's a uh, debate about whether or not a member of Dillinger Escape Plan uh, was, in fact, a member of the Morris County Youth Crew. Oh, okay. No, I do not recall this coming up. Okay. I thought maybe it hasn't come up on the show yet. It will in the future, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and that should be dealt with at that time. Um, but no, they, they definitely... Uh, you know, kind of blew up to a different level, but they're still like, you know, I got to perform with Ben um, in that crazy hardcore band we did a couple years ago at, for that vice party. And, you know, it was the coolest, one of the coolest people I've ever gotten to perform with. Cool. He was like headbutt, like running into me head first. And like, I was picking him <laughs> up in the pile driver position and it was crazy. It was fun. Um, <laughs> nice. Speaking of crazy, how crazy was it the fact that uh her and Jeff went on a date to see Elliot Smith? Love that. Love that idea of like the the sort of not interested in big concerts. Yeah. I, I like that whole part of the discussion because I feel like that is a very um punk centric mental state to be in. And uh actually only in the last probably maybe you know, like a couple of years, like as much as I've worked, I had to work in my lifetime, a lot of bigger concerts um, when I worked doing that, but I've never been one to go to a lot of like big concerts or bigger, whatever yeah. sort of things. And only in the last kind of like, like two or three years, I've really kind of shed that. And I don't really like as a legitimate old person now, I'm just like kind of do whatever without thought. And, uh, so yeah, I don't have that guilt. Like I'm intentionally going to like I've I've been to a lot of like seated auditoriums in the last like two years, <laughs> like and uh, I like it. <laughs> so not that I wouldn't ever have not liked it, but I just uh, I do think that is a real thing, and I, I felt that way too. I still though will go to like a crappy house show or a basement or you know whatever, and and still feel more at home in in many instances, but. For me, I separate it by group. So, like when they're mentioning going to see Elliot Smith, that's exactly how I want to see Elliot Smith. Like, yeah. I don't particularly, or I wouldn't have wanted to see him in a basement with, like, you know, I would have taken it, but that wouldn't have been my preferred, like, you know, experience. Did you ever get to see him? <clears throat> I did not, unfortunately. No, I probably I had chances. I just, it's like with a lot of artists, you just assume, you know, foolishly that people are going to be around forever. Yeah. So you don't think about the idea of, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of artists that I've passed on seeing and now I regret greatly. Like he, he's one where I didn't have any like direct chances I can remember missing, but I remember being out West a lot when we were on tour 
and I'm sure that he was in and around or playing somewhere, you know, at one juncture, and and I just didn't go or whatever. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of now I regret some of them. Not, not so much like him, obviously he passed, but like there's artists where they're just getting older now, where I think like, man, I have not seen this person. Like I might not. Like this is kind of weird yeah. to think of. Uh, but yeah, so I thought that story was funny though, asking a random person that you assume <laughs> might like that, <laughs> but yeah, great. I think, I think that's the thing is like, you know, there, you, like you said, there's few people I would like to see in that kind of venue, you know, like a, a concert venue. Yeah. Well, like we're, we're sort of privileged in the sense where there's, you know, like Toronto has, you know. Like for me, like you know, Massey is a pretty incredible place to see a band. Yeah, I got to see that PJ Harvey show there a couple. <laughs> exactly, your favorite. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so the you know, so for me, one you know, record that, only. <laughs> for me, that um, that's a great example of just like a great venue. And I mean, like I've seen very, you know, I've seen like the Constines there, or like groups I wouldn't associate with, like you know, a seated venue or something. Um, but I just think it sounds really good. And I think it's a great experience for a show. So yes, it is, you know, definitely out of the punk world, but it's, um, if you're a music lover in general, it's, it's, you know, seeing things in those kind of, uh, environments are, are a big deal, especially now, as I, like I said, as I age, perhaps it's just me getting more lame, but, um, I find like the, the place is a big part of when I experience something now more than it ever was before. Um, so sometimes that means I want to see it in a nice location or whatever. Yeah, like I, I got to see Elliot Smith twice. Oh, you did! Wow, never in a seated venue. Um, I wish I had seen him in Massey Hall. That would have been a really. So what cool. tour you probably saw XO? I'm guessing. Um, I think it was. I don't think it was XO. It was the one he did immediately after the Oscars. It was Where, the uh, Figure Eight, probably. Yeah, like I'm trying to remember what the tour was, like what he was actually touring on. But he played uh, the Horseshoe. And then he came back nice. on XO and played Lee's Palace. And those See, both those, too. exactly. Like, that's those are the perfect venues. Like, I'm hugely envious of what you just said. Like, those are those are the perfect spots. I would love to see him at Massey, too, or, or had seen him. But, yeah, horseshoes. I know, but I was, I was going to say the, hor- the shoe was too small. Like, I would have oh, preferred yeah. to see him in a seat. But Lee's was perfect, like, I think, yeah. to see him at, at that show. But the horseshoe sounded amazing, obviously, but... It was just like, I don't know, like it would, it, it was at the point where he could have sustained, like, you know, yeah, small it was, venue. yeah, it was like that, the growth period. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, well, it was like, it was, I'd say his hottest period. Like, like now, obviously, he's a legend, but yeah, but you dead. know what? Well, there was a lot of people too, though, that, like, again, back to like when I could have seen him or whatever, like when we would run into friends on the West Coast that, had plenty of opportunities. Um, there was tons of horror stories of him being like horrendous. Like after that period of time, like after the kind of the, the brief like blip, he like, there was tons of shows where he was just either like really bad or, you know, and I'm not trying to tarnish his whatever, his legacy. I, I love his music, but like there was, there was a period when it was like, you know, public knowledge where it was really dicey going to see him that you would see anything that was worthwhile. Yeah. But then again, like it was like one of those things where like, yeah, but you might, and it might be gold, you know? So th- th- to be fair, there are a lot of 
performers and bands that are actually like that. He's by far not the only one, or wasn't. But uh, sadly, his was probably due to, you know, obviously issues that he had. But um, yeah, anyway. But uh, no, I never did. That's crazy, though. I'm very envious of those shows. Um, they're great shows, definitely. But, you know, I would like, I think Massey Hall would have been a great place to see him. Yeah. I don't think he ever got a chance to do that. Pretty sure. Did the Opera House, I think, right? Like, I don't know, I guess. Like a weird double bill, if I remember correctly. Yeah, see, again, like, I, I remember this, these era, like, like him coming around, but it was just not, I didn't really. Yeah. It's weird, like, there's a lot of artists, too, forever that I listen to their music and I just never even thought about going to see for whatever dumb reason. Probably because of this very thing, like, I tend to go see, like, <laughs> the smallest, hardest thing to see. Yeah. And then after, I'm like, why didn't I go see, you know, band X, Y, or Z that, like, I probably should have? Yeah. No, I feel like there are certain bands, like, you know, Neurosis. Like, that was a band I didn't get to see till like, recently. Still, still have never seen to this day. See, they're coming with Converge. Yeah, still never seen. I've seen Converge. I've never seen. Uh, uh, I've never seen Neurosis. That's funny you say that, but that's exactly it. And that the only reason I've ever seen them is because, again, it's just like the assumption that it's like, oh, they they're just always going to play. Yeah. You know, it's like I never saw No Means No for that same reason, yeah. or like you know, tons of groups like that that just that were such road warriors. I just always assumed they would be going. Yeah, like but, No Means No. I got. I don't think I got to see them in. I don't think I ever got to see them. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't. I, I had a, seen them maybe. I think in in Calgary one time. Yeah, I had a few chances, but it's yeah, it's it's a weird. In hindsight, I just think back and just wonder what I was thinking. But uh, for me, I don't know if you're the same way, but like, and this is a very punk thing to me. Like, I'm hugely adverse to buying concert tickets. Like, I absolutely hate it. I've had to do it a lot more, like I said, in the last couple of years. Yeah. Out of, in out advance, of, you mean? Like, I don't mind paying for a concert. Oh, no, 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 no. I like, yeah, like, I'm not, I don't mean, like, I, I will gladly But, yeah, pay buying for, in advance and, like, yeah, sitting I, on concert tickets? I hate, I hate it. I don't yeah, know I don't, what it is. I like, like, I want to walk up and pay. Yeah. And so, like, Toronto, the, the city you are living in, like, occasionally there's hype shows that will come through. So I've, I've gotten, you know, accustomed to buying tickets in advance for certain things. You gotta buy uh, the advanced things for everything. Like, you don't think about not dead yet. Like, you're, you well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Some of those shows, yeah. you're fucked. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it's it's become a sort of a new norm for me, I guess, and maybe that's why I'm more used to it. But I think a lot in these eras we're discussing, uh, that just was never on my mind. Like anything, it was like, oh, I have to like, it's a thing. Yeah, nah, it's not worth it. Yeah, that was my attitude toward it. Yeah, and I've been burned a few times in hindsight, but by and large, I think I've done all right. Yeah, like, I think I feel the same way. Like, there was a couple times where I wish, you know, like, uh, uh, the Rock from the Tombs, when they came to Toronto, I didn't go cause it, get to go because it was sold out. Really? Times, yeah. Where'd they play? The Horseshoe? Lee's Palace. Lee's? Wow. Yeah, I was out front. <laughs> yeah. Turbo, Turbo, nearly didn't get into the Turbo Negro show the first time they played there, but got in the last... I was at that show, yeah. That's a good one. I've definitely been shut down from a Lee show, though, before. I remember going to your very apartment at the time because I got shut down. Oh, yeah. What like, show was that? It was, I was going to see Destroyer, who I'd seen oh, before, yeah. but I, <laughs> myself and my partner <coughs> went to just think, oh, okay, we'll just go, you know, no big deal. Like, last time I saw him, at, you know, back when, there was nobody there. 
Yeah. <laughs> it was just like the horseshoe or something. I thought, okay, whatever. He's playing Lee. He's cool. And, uh, you know, to give you an example of this for people who are like, you know, wondering and people know Toronto, they know, but if you don't like I, you know, Lee's is, it can be hit or miss. It's, it's where a lot of, you know, hype shows happen, but like I've seen girls against boys there with like nobody, <laughs> you know? So like, yeah. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, I just assumed, ah, you know, this will be, you know, there may be a, some people there, but no big deal. And, uh, yeah, packed to the brim and sold out. And so at the time, Damien had an apartment right near. So we just went and hung out there, which was a nice little, uh, nice little time. I think it was the first time Laura met Margaret, right? Yeah, it could be. I mean, I mean, it's one of the first times I met her too. Sounds about right. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. I, uh, I, I, I can, I saw like crazy stuff at least over the years like ryan adams brought out elton john one time <laughs> what? And did rocket man together whoa and i don't think that show was sold out and it was also like kind of a bummer for ron sexsmith because he brought out he's like ladies and gentlemen sir elton john and ron sexsmith but it's just like you know yeah was cheering so loud yeah for elton john that poor ron sexsmith who's like an amazing songwriter and performer in his own right. Yeah, from my area. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, eclipsed by the fame yeah. that is Sir Elton John. <laughs> yeah, true. Hard to... Uh... first. Yeah, what can you do there? No. <laughs> um, but also uh, Queens of the Stone Age one time. But yeah, it's a cool venue. Great venue in Toronto. I've seen a lot. Yeah, it's great. How Come to get Toronto, here? folks, How and go we... to these venues. How <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get here? All right. Um... Uh, I think, uh, did you ever get to see Kid Dynamite, Chris? Never. I'm trying to think. I'm pretty positive I haven't. Were you a Lifetime fan? Are you a Lifetime fan? No, I'm not. Like, it's it's fine. I just, it's never. Really? Like, yeah, it's, it's fine. Really? I, the record, like, the, the the album titles I always liked. Um, and, that like, it's fine. It's just never, it's something that I kind of didn't entirely resonate with me either. It's not bad, though. It's just, like of that era it was just not wasn't my world there's a lot of people's worlds though <laughs> just not mine um but yeah so kid dynamite didn't translate as much either um neither did because is that did kid dynamite then turn into paint black yeah essentially yeah so yeah. all those bands like we've we've played a concert with paint black and like all those bands are fine i just uh, it's never been something that's been like my world entirely yeah, no, I well, I I'm on the other side of this debate. Um, I'm a big fan. <laughs> it's no debate. I'm not. I'm not tearing um, it down. Did you? Were you in Toronto the night the uh, night as we once were played with Kid Dynamite, and then it was also the night E150 played with His Heroes Gone. No, I didn't. Uh, I never saw as we once were. Unfortunately, okay. as we once were, <laughs> I or His Heroes Gone. I managed to do night. both that night. Nice. His I Heroes love Gone that. was sick live. Cool. Yeah, I never, I never got to see them like the times I could have. I just, and again, didn't do it. And you then... saw tragedy though. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen tragedy like, like a few, at least a few times. Uh, I don't think I've seen them since nerve damage though, if I recall correctly. I'm trying to think if I've seen them since nerve damage. Yeah. Definitely saw them on that tour like twice. I think three times. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. They would be awesome to see now. Yeah, see for me, I will say like I the other bands they're doing are a little more exciting for me than the other than than tragedy these days. But um Dude, I would love to smoke weed and watch tragedy. <laughs> of course you I would. I don't think I was smoking weed back then. <laughs> but I think that would make 
Oh, make the whole experience. It would take it to that next level. <laughs> yeah, you've tried tragedy, life. but have you tried tragedy on weed? <laughs> yeah, I'd seen them a bunch. I saw them, uh, for some reason, I'd saw that, seen them and like a lot of people hadn't. Because there was, I remember going to, uh, uh, to name drop your bandmate, going to see the first Mad Men gig and in Brooklyn, New York. And that same night, there was a show at the Knitting Factory, and it was still in Manhattan. I don't, it's not in Manhattan anymore, is it? It moved, right? Yeah, it moved. Okay, anyway, it was in Manhattan then, and uh, it was with Systematic Death and, like, I'm trying to think who else played. Government Warning, Systematic Death, Tragedy, and, uh, oh, it's probably another band or two. I can't remember. But So I remember seeing them that night, but I had already seen them, like, I think two times or something. A lot of people I was went with had never caught them for whatever weird reason. And uh, but yeah, they're excellent. Great band. Um, I saw them. I, I saw them at that infamous House Fire show for the first time. Yeah, see, I didn't see them then, but I saw them just after, like the first LP kind of thing. Yeah. Like Vengeance, just in between, like first LP Vengeance. Like I saw them once or twice. Yeah. In that span, I think they didn't play Toronto again. Ever? Like since that show? Have they played? Toronto? No, I can't recall if they did. I'd. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Maybe I don't think not. Mike booked them, or Greg hasn't booked them. So, yeah, it's kind of weird that you say that because Warcry definitely has. Yeah, and Criminal Damage even has. Yeah, Criminal Damage has twice, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, weird. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Um, anyway, weird digression. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where how we got on. This is getting so late that we're doing our usual routine here. Yeah, we are definitely getting our, into our routine. We should kind of wrap this up. Sure. Uh, pretty soon. Um, there's a lot more to get into, like the fact that, you know, she wasn't even aware about of porn until she was in college. Yeah, that's crazy to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know, I think it speaks to the fact that, like, where she was coming from in into this industry, which is, like, a complete outsider. Yeah. You know, well, just... it's, it's refreshing if that's the case. Yeah, like, it's definitely, uh, I don't know, that, a, very, a very interesting episode. Um, but unfortunately, we have to cut this part a little. We're going into the lightning round now, Chris. <laughs> sure. Anything else you want to add before we move on? Uh, I'm trying to think of things that were mentioned from hers just real quick, if there's any last. Um, for I just like on a joke front, and I texted Dave this today, but public knowledge is, according to Joanna, that you are short style, David, up, so... Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't believe the maps you send me and show me where you're from. Uh, I just see a lot of blue, and I assume you're right near the blue in the map there. Um, so I'm just going to assume that you're shore style. Uh, what else here? I mean that as a compliment too. I also need to mention that right now. <laughs> yeah, but I think he. I think like he thinks. Yeah, I think he thinks like I. I we're not, we don't mean it as I. I very much mean it as a compliment. Like I, I hope, I wish he were short style. Like I wish he lived when like I, on the beach. Yeah. When I first met Andy it up, he was like, yo, blah, blah, blah band says they're short, but we're short. <laughs> Which is great. Andy. Yeah. And he showed me. So Dave, for listeners, Dave sent me a map to try and prove that he was not, not that he disliked it, but just like, just said, no, it's not really right. And, and then showed her, in contrast, where Andy lives, saying that basically Andy would be the equivalent of real shore style. Yeah, and I think um, also post Jersey Shore, that's taken on a whole new connotation. Yeah, exactly. People exactly. don't think about get real anymore, unfortunately, when they think about shore <laughs> exactly. style. Exactly. That's what I think of. 
Yeah, I knew so what you were what going mean. for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as far as that episode, I can't think of anything else. But, um, but yes, you're wrestling. You're one of your many wrestling friends as, your, as, your, as the most recent guest. Yeah, I had uh, Jimmy Havoc stop by. Unfortunately, well, I think fortunately for Chris, this is something that would be much better served talking about on a future episode uh, with uh, Tom of Clobbering Time. Um, but we definitely got to talk about, uh, AFI. Were you, were you AFI at any point? Did I like them at any point? Were you like a, like an early, we've talked about. Yeah. I liked the, I had the first Yeah, Like I remember first hearing about them. I want to say from must've been maximum rock and roll. I don't know where I would have heard about that, but I had the first CD when it came out and then, uh, I think on Wingnut, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, definitely. On and Wingnut. then also. What a great label. Yeah. Not, and I'm not apparently to be on, but for <laughs> fans of music. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember um, I bought, I was in Ottawa at the time when, uh, what's that second record called? Uh, Answer That Asking. Asking Fashionable. No, that's the first one. That's the first. Very the second one's like, very proud of you. Uh, I was in Ottawa, like whatever year that came out. And I bought that at Birdman. And I remember feeling very proud. I bought it on vinyl. It was like a big deal because they had an exclusive vinyl track. <laughs> yeah, they which, were like really early into that. Like that first record has three exclusive vinyl tracks. Yeah, which is um, big, big props to them for that because no one was really pushing that in that in that way that I really remembered in that like for a band of that ilk, I should say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I remember buying that and then. Um, being psyched and then the because what's the next one after that? Is that Black Sales is the one after that? Uh, no, isn't there uh, Open Up Your Mouth? Or something? Oh, no, you're right. That, yeah, that one too. That was like the more, the harder one. They do a filth and cover then, on that. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, so I'm like, yeah, I, I, I was hanging with it for the first, like, whatever, four hours. This is an amazing story, sidebar, but I remember talking to a certain owner of Ugly Pop Records back <laughs> then and being like, yeah, on their new record, they do like a filth cover. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, wrong filth. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning the Dutch filth would have been the better one to do. It was just like, oh. damn. But that would have been sick if they had done Dutch filth cover. Yes. I also think that story is perfect. Anyway. <laughs> that story is perfect. And so it epitomizes my uh, hardcore tutelage. Yeah, like ultimately, like, God, you know, maybe not the best way to instruct someone about these things, but... <laughs> Their taste bore out, like oh yeah, you know, like it saved me. Uh, you know, that's how I found out about filth. Yeah, you know, and years later, like, what's my favorite Dutch punk song of all time? Don't hide your hate. <laughs> but that is definitely. Uh, it's amazing though, the impact AFI had. You know, and that's yeah, had so many careers in their one career too. Yeah, I agree. It's strange to think like buying even just their because they've been a band now for what like probably I think I bought that first one in like the mid nineties at least. Yeah. So twenty plus years like that's just crazy to think they're still even active. Um, a lot of those bands that are though like I mean No Effects and those kind of bands are still going, but yeah, there it's weird when you think of something like No Effects versus AFI, not comparing like record for record or anything, but just like looking at the like quote unquote maturity of the groups. Yeah. And No Effects definitely matured like sonically, I would argue, but um but AFI is like an interest like I mean I'm not 
they're what they're doing now is does not interest me to be fair here but um and mind you the first record probably I wouldn't be as psyched on as I was then either but um but yeah certainly like the the whatever um I think the the middle period of that group is really interesting because the sonic change is is kind of noticeable but it's tasteful enough where I think they were able to kind of keep both fan bases happy for a minute, as yeah. you know, in a band is very difficult. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, so I don't know. I, I, I always had a, a, a good deal of respect for that group, and I know you know Davey and whatnot too. So um, I know them to be admirable people uh, when I've encountered them. But um, well, yeah, yeah, it's and just. And that's, and well, sorry, not to cut you off. No, no, go, go ahead. I didn't really have any. No, I was going to say, well, that, like, like what you're talking about that middle period like is what he's describing is like they're a band you can grow up with like you could be down for the whole AFI catalog and not hit that point where you're kind of like uh, I'm kind of embarrassed like obviously taste <laughs> not being like you're a fan of like certain eras and things like that mm -hmm, bands, yeah. like, you know notwithstanding but like there's you know if you're a no effects fan as I am and you're trying to grow up gracefully with this band and you hear that fucking Tegan and Sarah song, it's hard to justify liking a band. I don't even know what song you're talking about. What what is... the one about wanting to have sex with Tegan and Sarah? That's a new no effects song? It's like from like three albums ago, two albums ago. <laughs> God, okay. I don't know that. Yeah, but like, it's like certainly not from like their sophomoric period of their early twenties. <laughs> or like their late teens. Gotcha. You know. So you're so you're saying it's not quite high art. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, you know, like, I think, you know, the decline, that's my no effects. <laughs> yes. <know? laughs> that, that's my no effects. And they're, they're capable of doing great things still, obviously. But, like, you know, I'm just saying, like, what Jimmy Havoc's describing with AFI and how he's been able to grow yep. up with them. Yeah. You know, I could see that. Yeah, I think it speaks to a, a certain type of mentality of a person, too, because I, I was recently working with someone who – he sounded very similar to, I was having a debate about Metallica and uh, I do not acknowledge Metallica after 91, 90, whatever black album I don't acknowledge. So people who know this. Oh, anyway, we know, we know. If we you're know. a fan of this podcast, so, this has definitely come up. <laughs> but uh, so I had ongoing debates about this, like the idea that the claim was that their newest record in particular was like really good and I should listen to it, which is what I've heard from numerous people, uh, all of which who I ignore. But uh, the uh, so we were d discussing this, but his mentality was just different than mine. He was very similar to uh, to uh, Jimmy that he he liked bands progressing in that manner and and things of this nature. And I just I think I have a very luddite mentality toward or like like purist mentality or weirdly probably like to a detriment with certain groups or music where I don't really want to see progression from some groups. And so AFI is one, it's not, not, not taking them to task for it, but they're just, they're not doing anything I'm interested in personally, but they're that middle period I was interested in. And I still like those records, but, um, but yeah, so for some people, yeah, that's, that's how they view it. I think for me, or like people like me, it's like, I, you know, my perfect trajectory is like three, seven inches and you know, that's it. But I know that's not the way the world is for a lot of bands. And being in a band like that is not easy either, having said that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's what I that is takeaway. But I thought it was good. Yeah, I, I, you know, when I hear someone say that, I can't deny it. It's not me, but, yeah. 
Yeah, like they were able to kind of like, you know, they were able to to grow and expand as a band in a way that few bands are able to do, you know, and it's yeah. it's, it's hard to it's hard to grow as a band and it's hard to change as a band and and kind of still retain who you were. Yes, um, agreed. You know, neurosis, you know, it comes to mind the Melvins come to mind. And yep. I think the Melvins are lucky cuz their whole thing has been about digressions. So they can yeah, really the Mel- have yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, it, it's a lot, actually all those groups I never thought of putting in that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. That both those bands are actually a lot more similar than I tend to give credit on a regular basis to in that respect. But because mm-hmm. I've always been really, really big on the Melvins, I, I like a certain era of, of neurosis. I kind of know a certain era of neurosis. I don't really know a lot of the later stuff. It's funny um, that they come out of the same time period and yeah the same scene when you, like, when you <laughs> yeah same about. geographical area basically yeah when they moved down Wild. when they moved down to san francisco and they're playing yeah. in that warehouse and yeah doing stuff on alchemy it's like neurosis too yeah it's crazy to think of that even when that came up in the episode i just thought wow this is nuts yeah. um but the uh past interview i should for listeners yeah, he, past interviews yeah. um but the uh yeah. Anyway, great. So it's it's. I'm always um, I'm caught I'm caught on that one. That idea of of groups and longevity and what what is a sort of a, um, as we've debated a, a departure, if not record, you know, period or, or jumping off point. It's it's yeah. I don't know for for punk in a lot of cases for me. I you know, punks like to eat their own. I like you know I like a certain vision in a certain period usually um but there are some groups that have done it for me that keep going including the one you're in oh well thank you very much chris i appreciate that but like yeah for me it's i know what it's like it's the same way you know like but then there's like bands like like alexa on fire like i legitimately like one or two songs off the record but it's not till crisis that i really kind of like them <laughs> yeah the uh it's funny. I th- they're an interesting example too, because I think it's rare. I guess what I'm trying to say, it's rare. Like the, the my rule of thumb is like first two, you know, it'd be at seven inch LP, whatever. Like that tends to be an idea. Well, exactly. There there's, there's always these trump cards. And so, but poison idea, you could still rock with like first two, you'd be good. Yeah, I mean, you'd be yeah, good, you would, but you'd, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't get great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't, you'd be great still, but uh, you, you would definitely be missing. Yeah, you're the right. Greatest. Yes. It's, well, I don't feel it's the greatest, but the it's greatest. It is. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you're right. Alexis, uh, comparing Alexis to poison idea, like we do every day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. For Only me, on this podcast will those two ever be compared. <laughs> I can't even imagine. You know, the well, Max Rock and Roll podcast is never going to compare those two. Please put it that way. <laughs> no, yeah. But the uh, for me, it's like, yeah. Alexis, for me, are our second, third uh, records are the ones. Um, but, you know, not saying any of the other ones are better, you know, whatever, not. But for me, what's defining of that group are our second, third record. Uh, Poison Idea, yeah, probably most defining record. Oddly enough, I agree with you on that, where it's Feel the Darkness. But uh, you'd still be good with first two with Poison Idea. But you're right, you would be. It would be a monochrome. It would be a monochrome as opposed to like a fully realized color. Yeah. You know, 
uh, vision of the world or whatever, however you want to say that. It would have good line work, but it wouldn't have that. <laughs> True. It, yeah, it'd be, there's some there's some mega jams on that record too, so it'd be tough. But I could hang with with the first two. I'm you could too, but you know what I mean. I know what you're saying. It's hard to make that record though. Like the punk bands that have, it's. I guess I think you would agree with me here. It's it's very uncommon that bands in the aggressive world, not even just punk centric, but aggressive, define you know define themselves on something that isn't the first or second record. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's rare, and I don't LPs are difficult with punk because L, the LP punk thing is, you know, is a kind of it's a difficult one anyway, but say first seven inch or I second. Seven. Also refused, right? Like that's a band that yep. didn't really come into. Yeah. Late to find totally. that later period. I agree. Yeah. Like that's another one. In the blowfish. Of... <laughs> <laughs> Who do you yeah. The blowfish been going for a long time. I know they've come on the show. Oh, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> Are Hootie and the blowfish punk. It comes back to that question. again. I'm not sure. No, but you're right. That, that's another good point. There are these groups. You're, you're pulling them out. Um, but, uh, but you know, oftentimes, if we're being honest here, it's the first two are the things you think of typically. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Some, and it's, it's, to me, it's a credit to the groups that do, that can bang out a third or fourth record that is like the most, you know, epic thing they've done. Poison are, are, you know, a, the greatest example of that, arguably. Oh, also, I would say Neurosis, too, because it's like a lot of people don't even get on board till like the fourth record. Yep. Or fifth the, record. I'm not deep enough with the late stuff to compare. So I'm I'm hard with, with like with being well, like that, but that's like that's like um that song that like not even that old now, right? Like I mean that is that old now <laughs> when you think about their their fifth record. But which one are you talking with through silver or are you talking which one? What's the is, fifth Isn't record? through silver the fifth one? I think it is. Like that's that's the one that I recall being like the whatever the, the, the hallmark record, yeah. Like yeah, that was the one. That one is yeah fifth. You're right, but um, yeah. So like I don't know the <laughs> scrolling the resource the uh, ten after that as much. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, I like would say the, that even sorry, time of grace is the one that was like the yeah. They're both one. exactly like when I think of the 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 era of that group where it was most whatever um, in my whatever, uh, like what I was seeing, it was like they're they're like, I was seeing people with wearing those things or seeing those records on charts or, yeah. you know, it was like those two were the records. Um, they haven't even done that many full records since that one. They always do interesting stuff too. Like I like this, I, the neurosis and Jarbo record is cool. And like, they're a very cool group. Like, um, it's like one of those things where, (laughs) and again, it just speaks to how much music there is and how many bands there are to get to and whatever. But like, they're a group I often think like, yeah, why don't I, like, why don't I have their entire discography and just like, (laughs) why am I not paying more attention to this? It's so hard when it's like, gets that deep. And I know streaming services are terrible for artists because I am one, um, who, you know, but at the same time, like. My God, is it cool to be able to now go through all these Neurosis records, like stuff I have on vinyl that I don't have able to listen to. But like now I can go and like listen to Honor, Found, and Decay, like the last one, which I have on uh, LP, or the second last one, I should say. 
yeah and, and but then also just like jump right back to like early shit right like it was yep. like you know souls at zero or pain of mind yeah it's crazy to think that like, that band they're like one of those bands i would say more than the melvins even like you could argue like the whole way through they have had a consistent vision yeah i think the melvins jump around a lot that's so. what i'm saying more than the melvins i would say yeah, but I think the I think the Melvin's like whatever thing is jumping around, right? So it's not true. You never you never like uh you know the Melvins have never sold out. Like I'm not trying to say that they've yeah. like oh no they no, went for it at a certain point. They were like, yo, no. this is the sound. Even going for it, like honestly, yeah, like the when they went like for who's it, yeah. well, like you like people are honestly going to tell me that like Houdini is not their best record. Like seriously, I mean, you might not like Houdini the best, maybe, but like that's crazy talk. I don't like, think it's my favorite, but like, yeah, it's probably the best representation. It's there. The it's definitely there. Feel the darkness. There's no question. Yeah, like, I would say that. I could, I could give you that. I mean, I love a lot of the other records. Don't get me wrong. I just mean, if I were to like guide one, like if people didn't know that band, <coughs> I'd be like, yeah, Houdini, you're good. Like, check that out. Yeah, like, what would be your next pick, though? Well, let's look on the resource. Ah. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Well, it's crazy when you go to the resource and you're like, "Oh God, I have like 15 Melvin's records, and I don't even have like a dent <laughs> in the discography." Um, yeah, it's weird because after that you get to more of the major label stuff, and then you get the weird trilogy record. Um, so it definitely wouldn't be much later. You were not, or were? Was of uh... yeah, it's great. I saw them in the air too, and they're excellent. It's a cool record, but I would still say Houdini for me is the most defining. But yes, then I would Owner Witch is also. I would either Owner Witch is a great record too, yeah. But I would either say Cosmo, yeah. People are also like yeah, you know, it'd be one of the first two after that. But if you're looking for like a fully realized, you know, like like full thing too, like the cover is great. Even like it's a great record. Yeah. Um, but and it came out. Good artwork. You're right. That is true. Um. But yeah, I don't know. It, it's they're just one of those bands. Like I just think it's it's funny to say this, but yeah, you're right. That's another mid period or mid record that like is my favorite one. Yeah. Um, which is not typically my my vibe. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's also crazy when you go through the Melvin singles, and uh, it's like, man, they put out killer singles the whole way too. I, yeah, they're to me like I haven't even tried to get any of these because, like, they're just <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I like, I mean, I've I think I might have a few, but I've never actively pursued like trying to get them all because it's just too <laughs> it's too yeah, much of an endeavor at this point. I have the first three, um, but I don't know that split with Nirvana. I always really wanted because I have the actual CD collection of the those uh, ones from the '90s on the Amrep. The oh, the, the ones with the, the dull on it with the thing? embossed. Yeah, I always yeah. wanted those, but they're so. I think I've seen actually some place that had them as a collection. Milkshake had a set for. Sale Did they? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, when that came out, like I had the CD and I was just like, "Oh, it'd be so cool to have these." Like, man, all the. There are a lot of them. <laughs> like, oh my God. Well, have you seen how many versions there are? Like, you could just be like, yeah, I'm a collector, but I only collect 
Nirvana and the Melvin splits. Yeah. Um, because there's like a trillion versions of this record. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh and I have a few of those that Ipecac early two thousands, but again that was a series and Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, Even uh... you guys never did Fucked Up don't have series of seven inches, do you? Other than like I guess the Zodiac would count as whatever the Zodiac, that Zodiac but... I guess would be the one and then um You're the Pig. Uh there's also your um no, two no, you do technically though. You have the ones that surround the the yeah, first Kane's record on Matador, right? Don't you? Yeah, no, no, the second record on Matador, the uh, or the second David one comes to life records. There's a has those singles, yeah. And then um, there's also uh, uh, you're the or sorry, two snakes. There's like a bunch of different versions of that from what we're I don't mean variations though. I mean like the actual. Like oh, like different, it, like that's like thematically. No, I guess it would be like the ones, yeah, the ones are yeah, the ones with David comes to life. And then what I'm trying to point out here is that it's really annoying as a record collector to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing was like fucked up. Like that's who we're looking at, right? We're looking at the Melvins and we're looking at yeah, Poison Idea and being like, okay, I want to make a discography that's like that, like just like this <laughs> insurmountable nightmare. Well, you've done it. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, like, I, th- I don't know. I think for me, it's just like about, yeah, trying to make something that's just as like unmanageable as possible because let's be honest, that's, that's the fun way to do it. It is true. It gives people something to, uh, you know, a goal to try and achieve. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Um. All right. So anything else to... I don't know, man. It's late. Uh, it's late. Let's just leave it for tonight. <laughs> and we will get into this another time, um, as it is so late, Chris. Yes. And uh, But thank you, everyone, for listening. Once again, if you want to get in touch with me, find me on various forms of social media, at Left for Damien. Please subscribe to this podcast, write a review, and rate it on iTunes if you use iTunes. And Chris, how do they get in a told with... How, <laughs> how do they get a hold of uh how do they get how do they us? get a hold of us it's, how do they uh, get us how do they get us chris <laughs> turned out of punk footnotes at gmail.com if you want to reach us and uh hit us up all right hit me up if you're also in bolivia um <laughs> coming through this weekend i got all my shots so i'm ready to party um and uh um yeah let's that sounded really weird. I mean, <laughs> I mean, hit me up if you know any good record stores or, or, or tape stores or any places to kind of find music stuff. Um, and also cool places to eat. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Any last words, Chris? No, I'm good. All right. See you next week, everyone, or when we see you. I should say when I see you, not when next week. When, I, when we see you. <laughs>